Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. I am Brent Young, and I am fired up for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, how are we? It was a good weekend. It was a real good weekend. Yes, it was. It was yeah. The uh, the watch party at the Grail was awesome. So, a uh, lot of lot of dignitaries. You know, the 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 legend Tony Pike was there. Jamar Johnson was there. Wes Miller and the entire basketball staff was there. Uh, Deshaun Nelson and and his family stopped by at the end of their official visit. It was uh, and then the Reds Dodgers getting moved to two ten uh, made it just a madhouse along with Oktoberfest being one block away. Like we got there at 11 o'clock Brent. Yeah. The grail opens at 11. We got there at about 10 till there was a line of about 60 people waiting to get into the grail at 10 to 11 before the doors opened. Awesome. So it was, uh, it was great. We had a, we had a blast at the watch party. Make sure, make sure that you're there next Saturday. Uh, Game kicks at two 30, probably about, 145, 2 o'clock, Tony and I will get on the mic and, uh, and talk some Bearcats and Irish and, and uh, lead you up to the game. I, you know, the, the nice thing is that's an in-house show, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's being broadcast anywhere. It's not being replayed anywhere. So you never know when you might get some juicy nuggets that, that you don't get anywhere else. There were a couple uh, things that I said at the Grail that, that only the people that were at the Grail know. So think about that. What happens at the grail stays at the grail. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it will resurface on the BVP that following Monday. No, that's the, that's, you know, there's gotta be an incentive for people to come to the grail, right? Fair enough. Gotta be a little incentive to come to the watch party, get there a little early for the pregame show. And uh, here, Tony and I chop it up and we, uh, we appreciate everybody that came out and we will see you again, October 2nd. About 145, 2 o'clock, Tony and I will get it rolling straight into kickoff. And then the Bearcats and the Irish uh, get after it in South Bend. So I'm oh. good. Yes. Hopefully oh. my wife gets to come home this week. There that's we go. That's all I really want. That's there all we go. I want. I want we're, we're aiming right now for Wednesday. That is, that is all so. hope towards that. That would, that yeah. would make the, uh, the Brendel household popping. That, this make house it rowdy. sucks without her. This that'll house make sucks it rowdy. without her around. Are you it is play, not good. Are you going to play pump it up when she walks in the door? Ooh, I like you that You got idea. to pump it up. <laughs> you got to pump it up. I think I, we that will. might be, I don't know. It, she needs like low key, right? Like, I don't think we need to be pumping any. She just had a heart attack. We need to be pumping down. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. We, definitely we do, do not play the third down music. Don't avoid pumping that. Pumping up. Pumping up is not in the in the picture here for a little while. Well, well, you know what else was pretty rowdy on Saturday, Chad? The Bearcats sidelines. Yes, and Memorial Stadium at Bloomington, Indiana. It was hot as heck, but I tell you what, that place was rocking, and the Cincinnati fans showed out. You know who else was rocking? It was the team, and you know who else is is no better insider for the team, no better fan or friend. And lover of the BVP. That's right. He's back. Brady Collins. How on earth are we?
I mean, how much how much better of an intro could you get right there? Wow. <laughs> that was phenomenal. It wasn't very, uh, long, you know, playing the phone through the iPad, but uh, doing great, boys. Obviously, uh, you know, sitting three and zero, big win on the road, which is always hard to do, no matter who you're playing, and uh, you know, enjoying this bye week and uh, getting ready for uh, the schedule that's ahead. You know, the the question always has to be. Cause you're, cause you're in there. We aren't. We weren't able to see it. How was that locker room following that victory? I mean, a great finish to the game, and one where all of a sudden all the fans were gone for IU, and there it was, the Cincinnati fans still standing in the bleachers cheering on this team. How awesome was that atmosphere in the locker room? Oh man, it it was awesome. It was. I mean, you know, the amount of work that these guys put in. Uh, since dating back to last January, since dating back to 2017 for a lot of these guys. Um, to go on the road, like I said, against any opponent in a hostile environment, um, a year removed from full stadiums, the student section right behind your bench, heckling guys nonstop. Um, it was, man, it was awesome. We, we went through a lot of adversity that game. We had a lot of self-inflictions. Um, but, you know, what was really cool is, you know, we kept our poise. And we knew deep down that we worked, you know, for moments like this, we've been through situations and face adversity. And um, when it came down to it, I mean, we outworked them, we out toughed them, we outlast them and uh, couldn't be more proud of the boys. Um, it was awesome. It was a great week. Um, great weekend, great finish, great locker room. Bottles were popping. And I mean, water bottles, that's right. our general go-to. We <laughs> smash them and all that stuff. Um, it was awesome. It was great. I got a question. Coaches, coaches love uh, hate or what, you know, perceived disrespect. I know fans get all up in arms, but is there a little corner of maybe the coaches poll dropping you from eight to nine after a uh, 14 point road win against the big 10 team where the coaches all look at each other and go, all right, we got these guys where we need them now. Like we get, we got what we need. Like you, they don't respect you at all. Nobody, nobody gives a shit about Cincinnati. They don't respect you. Let's go out there and kick Notre Dame's ass. <laughs> well, I think you know better than anybody. I mean, you know, Fick doesn't even look at the polls, um, doesn't even care, um, all those things. But uh, allegedly, allegedly, um, you know, we <laughs> see it all, and just like the kids, they see it. You know, again. Everything right now is available at your fingertips. Um, everything is instantly now. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, what can you control? How you play the game? Do you win? Do you lose? And I know all those fancy things are going to go into it, style points and all this stuff. Well, okay, pull up the other, you know, top six teams in the country, um, you know, that are voted or, you know, labeled or whatever. How are their style points compared to ours? Well, okay, we went on the road in a hostile environment. We're down 14-0, came back and dominated the game. Like, okay, were we um, put our we selfishly put ourselves or selflessly put ourselves in situations to hurt us and put us behind and all that stuff. But when it came down to it, we did what we were supposed to do. We went on the road. We took care of business. Um, you know, and but uh, you know that yeah, like I said, that's funny. I mean, rankings are great all that stuff, it's going to help us in the long run. But ultimately, you know, what's our goal? It's to win championships. It's to win every single game that's on our schedule, 1-0 and every week. 
Um, and so far we're three and zero. we've done what we need to do and we're going to take advantage of this bye week and get ready for the next one. Now, as Chad talks about the hate that the coaches face, it seemed like there was a little bit of vitriol between the teams on the field throughout most of the game. Things got a little chippy at times and from everyone's understanding, it started off far earlier than the actual kickoff. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened on the field prior to the game and how that kind of leaked into the game after kickoff? Yeah. So every time that we, you know, enter the stadium, whether it's a home game, we're getting off the buses, we go through the catwalk and we enter the stadium, or if it's a road game, as soon as the buses pull up and we, you know, the, the kids are walking into the stadium. The first thing our guys do <clears throat> is they go to midfield and they circle around the logo or they circle anywhere that they're allowed to. And, you know, they have a team prayer. That's kind of like, that's our thing. That's what we've been doing for the past five years. And I think, you know, when we got to Indiana and we went on their field, we were about to go do that. There were certain individuals on, you know, Indiana's side that thought we were trying to be disrespectful by crossing their logo and trying to circle up and all that stuff. So, you know, I was in the locker room at the time getting ready for, you know, the warmups and the stretching and all that stuff. And, you know, the guys come back in and they're, you know, they're in my ear saying, coach, man, this, 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 that, 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 and, you know, all, all that does. I mean, you know, from my point of view is like, all right, cool. Because, you know, you don't want to poke the bear and uh, you know, I mean, the, the media can say what they want. ESPN had a little thing about it, all that stuff. I mean, when it all comes down to it, our guys are going out there for a prayer. They thought we were being disrespectful. We weren't. Um, even some guys are dapping guys up saying good luck, all that stuff. The coaches are out there. It wasn't as blown up as it was, but, uh, you know, again, we'll take any type of ammo we can take because we love it all. Brady, let's, let's talk about the game itself real fast. Uh, just kind of first thoughts when you guys walked out onto the field in front of a, a packed stadium for the first time since what, 2019 and how hot it was out on the field. What kind of, what was that initial atmosphere and kind of what was going through your head when you, when you did walk out through the tunnel and you did see that leading into the opening kickoff? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I was at, you know, Indiana in uh, 2015, my first year at Ohio state. And it was a night game. Um, it wasn't as loud and crazy as it was then, obviously, but uh, you know, I give, I give credit to them. I mean, it was, it was packed. And like I told our guys and like coach said to the guys, why is it going to be a big game? Why is it packed? Because we're here. Um, so, you know, we knew that we, we knew that coming in, we knew it was going to be hostile when it was going to be, you know, loud, you know, granted coming off a, a COVID year with no fans in the stands and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you, you love that environment. Our guys feed off that, like whether it's the home crowd or it's the away crowd, because, I mean, that's what college football is all about. And uh, it was it was really cool, um, you know, but I can't say that uh, it wasn't anything that was like too shocking or, you know, deafening and all that stuff. But um, it definitely was. I would say it's easily up there in the top two, maybe three hottest games I've ever been oh a part my of. Gosh. And those other two games happened in the state of Mississippi and Florida. So that should kind of put that in retrospect. But, uh, you know, our guys, they were prepared well. They handled it well. And uh, obviously we came out on top. That sun was just beating down. Ooh. I mean, I was up in the sand, so I, I <laughs> felt it. And I got a good tan from it, so I can't complain too much. But, man, <laughs> it was hot, 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 hot in there. Ooh. You had a wedding to go to, Brent. 
I did. I made it to the wedding as well. All right. I was a, I was a warrior on Saturday. I guess, man. Absolute warrior. So when was the last time you had a momentum shift like the Micah McFadden targeting ejection? Because I think that completely took the wind out of Indiana sales. And I think it was evident in everything that transpired thereafter. And what are your thoughts on the targeting rule as it currently stands? I mean, I don't, I don't know if, you know, one player can make that big of a momentum shift. Um, you know, I think that's, it's one of the greatest things about, you know, football is, you know, at any level is it's not about one guy. It's not about two guys. It's not about five guys. It's 11 guys on the field at one time. So, you know, to say that one guy who, you know, was deemed targeting and got kicked out of the game made that huge of a difference. But, you know, I think if anything, it just provided that sense of momentum as, okay, we got a first down, we're getting another opportunity you know, you, you are trained, you are prepared to take advantage of those opportunities when they are given. And we did that. Um, you know, I, I, I stand with coach Vic on how he voices himself with uh, targeting. I mean, you know, those rules weren't around when I was a player. Um, you know, again, these kids work their butts off all year to play these games and they got, they only have 12 games guaranteed to them. And the fact that they get booted out of one game, for, you know, whether it was, um, you know, a, a severe helmet to helmet or, you know, kids just trying to make a play on the goal line, like the Penn State Auburn game where he's trying to stop them from scoring, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that stuff, but, you know, all I can say is we took advantage of the opportunity that was given to us, which was a first down um, hindsight, whoever was in the game on defense or offense didn't matter. It was just, we stepped up when our opportunity was given to us. What, what do you think about the conversation that's kind of been floating around here over the, the, the first three weeks of the season of implementing like there is in basketball, like a, a level one and a level two penalty where a level one is, is not as severe. A level two is one of those that you watch and you go, oh, man, like, do you, do you think that's where this needs to go, where there's at least some wiggle room in terms of guys being ejected? Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, I think what you're really starting to see, you know, through these past couple of years is the college game is starting to try to mold itself very similar to the NFL. Um, you know, so I could see where some similarities could start to shift towards that. But, you know, I would say, you know, if you get, if you get a targeting call the first time, it should be a personal foul, you know, 15 yards, that's your first. You do it again. Yeah. Then you're kicked out because again, in the heat of the moment, you know, things are going to happen, man. I mean, you're trying to make a play. You're trying to stop someone. You're trying to, you know, get an extra yard. Um, You know, you see it all the time. A quarterback takes off, he's running. Okay. Well, he goes to dive and, you know, someone's coming in to dive and tackle him. Well, helmet, helmet, you know, in the heat of the moment, it's very, very hard to make sure everything's perfect and your shoulders to the side and all that stuff. Um, you know, again, at the end of the day, you don't want to take away something that these kids have worked so hard for, you know, but um, I'll leave that up to the professionals and all that stuff. I, uh, I try to stay out of that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, maybe like a, if you get the second one, that's kind of where I think on that, on that side yeah. of things. But as far as it goes, uh, the, the other player who was involved with that, obviously Desmond Ritter. We, we haven't talked to you in a while, but you know, Des had that, 
that now somewhat infamous halftime speech during the Murray State game. And then, of course, he really turned it on in, in the latter half of the first half and then all the way through the second half in this game this past Saturday. For As a fan, I kind of has I, – I have this feeling, and I'm, I'm Mr. Optimism as well. It's, it's so it kind of sometimes nips me in the butt. But when I know that Desmond Ritter is quarterbacking the Bearcats, I think there's never a game that's out of reach. And I think that there's obviously more opportunity that's going to end in the Bearcats with a win rather than not. So what kind of goes through the coaching staff's head knowing, hey, well, yes, we'll, we'll battle through adversity. But in the end, we have Desmond Ritter, who is just a perennial winner. Yeah, I mean, again, we're very fortunate to have college football's all-time winning as quarterback as of right now. And, uh, you know, again, a kid that has been through so much adversity, um, you know, has grown tremendously through his years, um, is so mature, is so poised, um, you know, leads this team, is the heartbeat of this team. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it is, we're very fortunate. And again, everybody's always going to look when things go good or bad to two people. They're going to look at the head coach. They're going to look at the quarterback and the demeanor and the way, the way that they carry themselves and, you know, their body language, the way they are on the sideline, all those things go into it. And when things are going really well, when things are going bad, everybody's looking at those guys. And, you know, you can't tell a difference if we're up by 20 or if we're down by 14 um, because he's just even keeled, man. I mean, he knows what he's capable of. He knows what this team is capable capable of. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to, to have someone like Des Ritter on this team. And um, it is, man, it's a blessing because, you know, it doesn't matter what the score is, what the opportunity, what the situation is. When you got a guy like nine back there, I mean, let's go. So take us through the sequence of Trey Tucker catching that ball and squirting free to where he's there's no one within I don't know 25 30 yards of him 40 yards <laughs> speed baby so what was it like being on the sideline through all of that oh man I mean it was awesome I mean again you know we were on a 17-0 run um they just went down you know had another trick reverse play to score and all that stuff um you know the ball's kicked Trey catches it on the one yard line. It doesn't matter if Trey catches it on the one or the minus five, he's going to go. And, uh, you know, again, credit to the kickoff return team. They did everything they had to do, gave him a great lane, set it up to the right side. And then he cut it back hard left. And as soon as he made that cut, he was gone. And when I say gone, I mean gone. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody break a kickoff return touchdown from their own 35 yard line where it was there was no doubt he hit no the 35 and it, that was it it was over it was gone there was only it one was person that could have caught it himself tyler scott tyler scott exactly um you know it was funny because that, i mean that was that was such a huge momentum thing for us you know they felt like they got a little bit back and then boom there we go we hit them and coach had preached it all week that special teams are going to play a huge role in this game and rightfully so, they always do, especially on the road in a tough, hostile environment. But, uh, you know, when Trey hit that, I mean, it was. It was electric on the sideline. I was going crazy. Um, and the cool thing is, you know, he, he was running 22, 23 miles per hour. But the crazy thing was when he got to the opposite 40, 
he was basically jogging. He jogged nobody, for 35 yards. There was nobody <laughs> close to him. And it was funny because I was talking to him today during uh, his workout. And he was like, yeah, he's like, it was kind of weird. He's like, I thought somebody would be close to me. He's like, there was nobody close to me. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it literally looked like was there the was like seven players on the field on that kickoff yeah. team. It was weird. Was the sideline as loud as the Holy Grail as soon as it, like, that place, as soon as he saw green grass, that place just exploded. Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as he hit that right foot in the ground and cut back left, I mean. Is it? If there was a camera zoomed in on me, you'd see me high-stepping. <laughs> I'm, like, pumping my fist, going crazy. I mean, the whole sideline was going crazy. It was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was a huge boost in momentum. You know, we took it right back. Um, it was, it was awesome because we, we all know what Trey's capable of. We've seen it for years, you know, in his short career here. He works his ass off every single day. He's just an absolute grinder, um, you know. And, again, good things comes to those who grind. And everybody on that return unit did what they had to do and gave, you know, Trey the opportunity to do what he's really, really gifted at, which is break away and make other people look slow. You know, it was, it was kind of ironic because Tom Allen actually on his radio show last week said, you know, someone asked him, what are some of the things that he's afraid of this, this upcoming week? And one thing that he said is number seven on the kickoff team, the kickoff return team is, is someone that we really got to make sure we get, you know, keep the ball away from or, or get down once he receives it. So that's a pretty, pretty telling foreshadowing there, but oops. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another. So, so that play was huge swinging momentum back to the Bearcats side, obviously, but another huge mammoth momentum came at the very end of the game near, near the end was when Darian Beavers came through and got that forced fumble. And it was obviously recovered, recovered by the Bearcats. I, I talk about Darian Beavers. Cause he ever since what last, last year, the UCF game up until now, He's got to, I mean, you got to look up the stats, but he's got to be one of the best defensive players in all of college football. And it's just, it seems like he's getting better with each and every game. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when I think about Beavers, you know, I can't help it, but think about the 218 pound, you know, young athletic, but just, you know, to be, to be honest, compared to our culture and everything kind of soft um, when he got to us from UConn. Mm-hmm. And just the work that he's put in, the attitude change that he's had, um, you know, buying into the culture and just really, you know, growing into his own self. You know, I think when he got to us, he was still so young, um, you know, still trying to find his way, trying to find his niche and all that stuff. But I mean, he is an absolute specimen, 6'4. He's really 260 right now, which is kind of crazy. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, just moving the way he is, um, playing more physical than he ever has. And again, it's no surprise to me. I witnessed it all offseason, the way he was trained and the way he really, you know, uh, took his mind and his body to the next level. But it is, man, it's awesome. It's a it's a nice thing to have. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things that Beavers can get better at and learn from this past game and the past two other games to continue to put himself in a better position to make plays for this team and put himself in a great opportunity for the future. Um, but really, really proud of him. Well, you so, can't talk about B. Oh, sorry, just real quick. Can't talk about Beavers without the AAC defensive player of the week, Deshaun Pace. I mean, Drew, Drew White, obviously 
held down that position about as good as you can. Now Pace is coming in. He's really just blowing up in front of our eyes. He is another Coleraine guy right there. Um, you know, again, DP came in, you know, nicknamed the Joker, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, even as a true freshman last year, just came in very humble, very, you know, gritty, just tough, hard worker. And, uh, you know, again, a kid that benefited from, you know, coming in, training early, took advantage of those things that he can do um, and just really put on good muscle. Um, you know, his, his, I think his football IQ for his age is so extremely high that it's very rare and really awesome to see. Um, he just flies around, man. He's a ball player and he has fun. Uh, you know, he, he knows all the calls. He's communicating with the DBs and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's funny. My, my strength staff and I, every Friday we get together and we're like, all right, you know, who's going to be the MVPs of the game. And, uh, you know, last week, one of my assistants, Coach Felino, he was two for two. He got them both right. And this week, I was like, all right, I'm going to take Deshaun Pace. And they were like, ooh, good good choice there. And I was like, yeah, it is a good choice. And, uh, you know, obviously, the interception was the big highlight. But, again, he was flying around. He had 10 tackles, a couple tackles for a loss. Just, again, just, you know, the one touchdown that was caught on him, you know, his feet got caught up in the, in the guy that was in route. If his feet don't get caught up, he either won, makes the pick if the quarterback throws it or two, there is no throw and it's a, you know, turnover on downs or whatever it might be, but he did. He's, he's a, you know, habitant of our, of our culture plays hard as shit, um, you know, and just does whatever's called upon him. How much smack talk was sauce just jabbering on the sidelines after shutting down an all American wide receiver in Fry Vogel. You know, it's funny. I mean, as much as uh, recognition and all that stuff that Ahmad gets, he's really not much of a, you know, a talker on the sideline. I mean, he is a little bit, but, you know, I think he's just so confident and thrives off a of competition more than anything that, you know, when you do try him, like they did when they were trying to score, when, you know, we were up by two scores and the game was pretty much done, but they were still on the field. Um, you know, and he makes that one play where he bats it down. And he's just kind of like shaking his head, like, really, you're going to try me right now. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's funny because if you ask me in the whole secondary, you know, who's the least talkative, it's probably a mod because, you know, he, he's not getting that much action. He's not, you know, people aren't testing him and all that stuff, but, you know, he steps up whenever his number is called. Uh, he's always there for his brothers and, Obviously, we're very fortunate to have him, and, you know, he played his butt off. You've been around a lot of big-time football programs. How rare is it to see teams do what they're doing right now to avoid him? Because Indiana ran that single wide with the tight ends to the boundary and all the wide receivers to the field to get away from Sauce a ton. Like, you know, it wasn't the only thing they ran, but – it was very clear their game plan was we don't want this guy on any of our wide receivers. Like we're going to make him guard tight ends and like be a, you know, be up in the mix in the run game. Uh, and, and we saw Miami, Miami wouldn't have thrown his way. If Jerry Rice was on that side of the field, <laughs> I'll give Murray state a little credit. At least they tried a couple times. 
they tried with with, they, with no success, but they tried. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to be incredible just to see how much he is dictating so far what offenses try to do. I mean, it is again. I'm I'm not extremely educated on the X's and O's and the play calls and the situations and the formations and all that stuff. But, you know, again, I just revert back when I was at Ohio state, you had Marshawn Lattimore, you had Gary on Conley, you had Denzel Ward. That's don't say Eli Apple. That's three first round corners. I was there for Eli's last year. And, uh, you know, again, I, I never saw anything like that. Now, granted, you probably had both of them on the field at one time and all that stuff, but, um, you know, again, the corners are pretty damn good. Exactly. And, uh, you know, again, I think, I think it's just a testament. I think it's a testament to, you know, the, the work that Ahmad has put in the work that the whole entire secondary has put in, because let's face it, when, when they do shy away from Ahmad and they want to try and pick on other guys like Kobe, like Arquan. Okay. Good luck with that. Right. Like you caught, you caught one on Arquan on a double move. That yes, even he said to me today during his workout, he's like, yeah, he's like, that was one of the best moves I've ever seen in my life. And you got him. You got him one time, right? Okay. For eight yards. We'll take those chances. Like, you know, our guys are the utmost competitors. Like they feed off that. And, you know, I know coach says it all the time. I mean, the unique thing about moving forward is finding ways for Ahmad to, you know, kind of still be involved in certain things when teams do try to go away from them. And, you know, I think that's a testament to him and Coach Perry and, you know, Coach Tress of, you know, still having him engaged and doing what he needs to do when the whole offense is schemed around someone. And, you know, the same could be said or said for, you know, the, the D-line guys. I mean, Maje, again, I know he hasn't shown up in all the stats and sacks and all that stuff. If you watch that film of last week and watch Maje's reps, he was he had pressure every single time. He impacted the game no matter what the play call was, no matter the situation that had others do their job to do what they needed to do to make plays. And that's, that's, again, that's why I said football is so amazing. When you asked about the targeting call with the one guy kicked out, it's not about one guy. It's about 11. And that's why when everybody's doing what they have to do to perform, that's why you do so well. That's why our defense has thrived for the past four years here, because it's not the call. It's not the scheme. It's not the personnel. It's the heart and the will and the determination and the competitiveness that those guys have. That's, that's what makes us unique. So early in the game, there were some penalties all, all along the, uh, the offensive line and the announcers were starting to call uh, the announcers were starting to call the team undisciplined. So what do you have to say when, you know, you're catching some flack like that from the national media? I think I've read uh, multiple things that, you know, not too many people are fond of the commentators from this past weekend. But, uh, <laughs> you know, again, we, we self-imposed those penalties, you know, again, it's not an excuse. It's not, you know, taking the, the high road or anything like that. Yes. First time on the road in a hostile environment in a full year. I get it. Last year we went to SMU. There's a good amount of fans right? We go to UCF. There's a great amount of fans, but then you go to Indiana. It's a packed house for the first time in 13 years or whatever they said it was. Um, They're playing music 
the whole time during the snap and everything, which I'm pretty sure is illegal, but it's okay. We're not going to complain. Um, and again, you know, just the, the situations of things going, you know, Vinny McConnell was out with mono our right guard, um, which didn't make a big difference, but again, just guys trying to get all on the same page, trying to hear the cadence, all that kind of stuff. You know, at the end of the day, those types of things that happen, they, we self-imposed them, but we found a way to overcome that. Obviously, in the second half, we had no offensive pre-snap penalties and all that kind of stuff, and uh, we did what we were supposed to do. And uh, <clears throat> what's really crazy is, and it's easy to say, you take away those pre-snap penalties in the first half, you know, who knows what could have happened. But, again, so proud of our guys to, to fight through what we had to and, Again, outwork, outlast, and out tough our opponent. You uh, you touched on Vinny McConnell. You can't mention Vinny McConnell without talking about who was able to step up for him. You know, you you lose a senior leader on the offensive line, and here comes Lawrence Metz, who obviously has kind of really owned that right guard position, you know, starting throughout the summer. And, I mean, you've got to be pretty impressed walking away with what he was able to do in this game. I probably would say it was, it was his best game as a Bearcat. A hundred percent. Extremely proud. So, so incredibly proud of Mets. Um, you know, we let him know that we, I, I let him knew that, you know, leading up to that game, you know, I was trying to pump him up as much as I could because, you know, he had shown so much improvement dating back to the spring. He's always worked his ass off in the weight room. He is an absolute grinder. He's been an iron bear cap for us, um, which is the highest, you know, recognition you can get from us and the strength staff. He's a selfless kid, loves his teammates, will do anything that it takes to help his team win. And again, you know, back in 2019, he was the starting left tackle. What happened in 2019? We played for the AAC championship and, you know, he he's played a lot of ball. Um, you know, yes, granted, he was at left tackle and all that stuff and had some offsides and all that stuff. The kid's heart is so big, bigger than his own body. Um, his toughness, his will to win, all those things, his will to, you know, be there for his brothers and all those things. And to see Saturday, the way that he played, it was phenomenal. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know what the grades are, and we'll find out soon, but he was absolutely mauling people. Um, there was a point in the game, where I, I remember it vividly, uh, Dylan O'Quinn came to the sideline, you know, right before the offense was going in and he grabbed coach Fick and he's like, Hey, he's like, keep running the ball to the right side. He's like, we're dominating. And I was like, yeah, I love that. Like you love when you're aligned saying that. And then you just watch. I mean, there was the fourth down um, the goal line, you know, where we're trying to score you watch Mets. I mean, he is plowing dudes five yards downfield and burying them into the ground. And, you know, again, talking to the guys today during their workouts, Renfro and, you know, O'Quinn, who are on the outsides of Mets during the game, you know, they're telling me, they're like, dude, Mets was such in a zone. He was calling things that, like, we should be calling. But, like, we're like, all right, we got it, Mets. And he's like, no, 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 check, 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 check. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, I, I, I grant all that to, to Mets. I grant it to uh, Coach Crook for preparing him. Um, you know, and, again, our whole culture – is built on brotherhood. So, you know, we're all alignment right here in this group right here. You guys are all starters. I'm not. One of you goes down. I'm not going to let you down. When I step up, I'm going to fill in. I'm going to do my best I can. 
I'm going to not let you down. I'm going to let the team down. And uh, so proud of him, man. I mean, really, really so proud of him. So we're about a week and a half removed of the big announcement that Cincinnati is going to be joining the Big 12. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little something about that. But how hard has it been to try and and keep the, the Big 12 chatter down and just keep focus right now on the season at hand? Not hard at all. And, you know, I say that in all due respect because it has nothing to do with this year. And granted, who knows? It has nothing to do with next year. Um, You know, again, everything that we've done since we got here five years ago, it's been to put ourselves in this position. It's been to play for championships, to, you know, make this place better than when we found it, to put um, the, the opportunity of this program to build facilities, to, better take care of our kids and all those things and all that stuff's happened. Now, yes, we're going into the big 12. It doesn't mean anything right now. So the kids that are on this team right now that are playing this schedule, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. So, you know, it's great. You can clap your hands for a couple seconds, but you know, you kind of put it back there because this year is what we have to focus on this one game and then the next game and the next game. Um, you know, so it, it's awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it is. It's uh, it's very rewarding. It's very um, motivational for the future and all that stuff. But we're not going to let it deter us from what we have to do right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're focused on what we got right now and all those things that will come later. We'll take care of it when it comes. So I, I want to go back to one thing on Saturday. Following the game, and even if you talk, you know, about the uh, the the broadcast that people weren't very happy with, uh, there was this narrative that Cincinnati escaped, or survived, or whatever adjective you want to use. I think what's being missed here, Brady, there's a reason that Cincinnati escaped, or survived, or whatever you want to call it. It's because the team and especially the defense in, in this case, didn't let the game get out of hand while the offense was struggling to find their rhythm. And, and nobody's saying the offense played well, those first six drives. They didn't, they clearly didn't. I think they had two first downs in the first six drives, but a good team finds a way when things aren't clicking for one side to hang around and to stay a factor. Because if, you know, that's a team that's panicked or flat, as some people, you know, kind of referred to it, that's a 21-24 nothing game before that first touchdown ever gets scored. I don't think we're doing enough to talk about the fact that Cincinnati escaped or Cincinnati survived or whatever, in large part because of themselves, because they found a way to make sure that things weren't out of hand by the time that the cavalry arrived and the offense scored on, did you know this Brady of the last, if you count the Trey Tucker uh, touchdown as an offensive possession, how many times do you think the Bearcats scored in the last eight possessions? They didn't score in the first six. Now, how many times, no. How many times did UC score? Did UC's offense score in the last eight possessions of the game? Twice. No, six. Oh, yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yes. So the defense did its job and keeping the game within reach. And then when the offense got rolling, it ends up a two touchdown victory. Like, I, I just think that the perceptions are so lazy. The narratives that, that seem so easy are lazy and they don't, they don't pay enough attention to what actually happened because that defense made sure that that game was still in reach. Absolutely. And again, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. I mean, again, whether we dropped in the pools and one and not the other and all that stuff, there's always going to be the fancy, you know, uh, style points and all that stuff. Again, case in point, look at Clemson, right? And I'm not, I'm, this isn't a bash. This isn't me saying we should be here or there. I'm just saying as a college football fan in general, take, take being the head strength coach at Cincinnati football out of it. Okay. Um, Clemson is playing at home against Georgia Tech, who Georgia Tech got beat by Northern Illinois, a Mac level school. They're still not where they should be and all those things. Okay. And they win 14 to eight, I think it was, right? Okay. But yet they're still ranked somewhere, you know, in the top 10 and all that stuff. None of that stuff has anything to do with it because, again, look at what transpired on the field. And again, this, this is from a coach. This isn't, you know, the media people and the voters and all that stuff. We went on the road in a hostile environment, right? It is. It was. We were down at one point, 14 nothing, And then we fought back and won by two touchdowns. And again, I, I'm not smart in the betting world and all that stuff, but we were a three and a half point, whatever. It ended at four. Favorite. Yeah, whatever that is, you know, which again, the, the common thing in anybody is the home team's going to be a three point favorite and all that stuff, whatever it is. Okay. So we go on the road, we get down 14, nothing. We fight back. Uh, we dominate in all three phases of the game throughout the rest of the, of the game. Sure. We didn't start off that way. Okay. And then ultimately you win by two scores, no matter how the game ends or whatever. I mean, what do people want to know? I mean, Again, the, the biggest thing that, like, again, that I said that our whole program's about, we don't worry about all that stuff because put the ball down, we'll play whoever it is at any given time, wherever it's at, their place, our place, neutral site, and we'll let that figure it out. Um, you know, again, that's, that's what makes college football so great. And all that stuff, all that media and all the style points and all that stuff will always be there. And I get it. I'm sure the fans want to see us win by 40 and all that stuff. And like I said earlier, we left at least 11 points out there. Missed field goal, missed extra point, this, that. And technically, we gave them 14 points. And I say that as in we just didn't do what we had to do to put ourselves in the position to give them the opportunity to, you know, um, score when they had their given opportunities and all that stuff. At the end of the day, you know what matters? winning winning matters whether you win by one point whether you win by 40 that's all that matters is winning and uh you know again we're just going to take care of each week you play to win the game couldn't be better said right there my friend um you know we're not we're not going to worry about all that other stuff we're just going to worry about um having fun playing a game that these kids love playing together which they love even more 
and uh, winning. Winning is unbelievable. I, I mean, the fact of it as well is to just build onto that is you're, you're facing a desperate Indiana team who is, who was preseason ranked high, who was, had all not this only, talk going into the game. And now it's dead. just, yeah, good. Not I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, not only good. desperate. I mean, I'm like, that's a, that's a really, really good football team. Yeah. I mean, you could take whatever it is you want about the quarterback, not being mobile and all that stuff. You take all that stuff away. That's a really good football team. Yes. Last year they won a lot of games and they put themselves in a position to be in the big 10 championship and all that kind of stuff. It's a really good football team. It's a really well coached football team. It's a really well trained football team. All those things. You know what? We got the best of them that day. Why? We outworked them. We out toughed them. We outlast them. And that's what matters is winning. And uh, you know, I mean, again, that they put their helmets and shoulder pads on just like we do. It's all about everything else and all that stuff. Um, couldn't be more proud of our guys, but, you know, I, I, I will say that that is a very good football team. Whatever happens the rest of the year for them, that that's on them. We took care of what we needed to take care of on Saturday. We're moving on. We're going to enjoy this bye week. We're going to get better and uh, we're going to get ready for the next one. You know what? The, that good IU team last year at Ohio state, the Buckeyes escaped with a with a one touchdown victory and we all know what where Ohio State ended up at the end of the year. So um I digress. Aaron, any more questions for, for good old Brady? Yeah. Let's get some uh, if we got let, after this, let's get to the mailbag so we can get him out of here. He's been <laughs> far too kind with his time. I'm good. I'm good, boys. I'm good. All, all right. right. Well um as you kind of alluded to next week is Notre Dame well, you have the bye week, and then you, you, the next game that we play is is going to be Notre Dame. And what is it like preparing for a defensive coordinator, especially who was just with the school and knows this offense because he's ran defense against it for the last you know four years? Uh, also knows the defense because he he ran it for the last four years. So, what is it like as a coaching staff preparing for something like that? Um, again, you know, I'm not in those, you know, X's and O's meetings and the game <laughs> and all that stuff. So I can't really, you know, say too much, but, uh, you know, again, it is what it is. Yes. He may know what we do, what we have done, our personnel and all that stuff, all that stuff, you know, come game time, you can, you can look at it and you can think it's really cool. Throw it out the window because, you know, we know what's ahead of us. We, we are aware of those situations as well. So I'm sure we got some things up our sleeves and things we're going to do differently or, you know, things that we are more aware of. But, uh, you know, again, just one of those things that makes college football so great because this isn't like the first time a former coordinator isn't going up his former team or, you know, a, a head coach against his old whole team or something like that. Um, but, you know, again, put the ball down and we're going to go. I love it. I love it. It's going to be a lot of storylines though. You, it's it going to be hard to, uh, to avoid that. But uh, before we dive into the, to the BBP mailbag, the questions for you, Aaron, if you want to start lining those up, I, I'll just ask you just a broad question. So what, what, what is the game plan for you and your staff during the, the this bye week Is it more just, 
getting all the players rested and re- rehabilitating them and just kind of using the bye week as a way to, to rest and then and then build up heading into the Notre Dame week? Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> it's a good week to kind of deload from our, you know, standpoint of what we're doing in the weight room, um, you know, hit some different, um, you know, rep schemes and um, intensities and all that kind of stuff just to take care of their bodies throughout this week. We know the the starters and the ones are going to get the work that they need this week, but, you know, it's mainly a week for those young guys to get a lot of development um, and take advantage of this whole week. And then, you know, as we get closer to the end of the week and into the, the Notre Dame week, we'll ramp back up into our normal game routine. But uh, it is, you know, it's a good, it's a good kind of time to reset some certain things and, um, you know, get a bunch of massages for the guys, and, you know, just kind of, you know, any nicks and bruises, you know, we've been very fortunate, knock on wood, on uh, the injury plane, um, you know, just get them all healthy and geared up and get them ready for this big uh, nine week stretch that we have. Aaron, dive into the mailbag. Got Here it. Come, Brady, hard hitting questions coming at you. <laughs> so the first question in the mailbag, I know we've kind of talked around it a little bit. But is there anything else that you wanted to add as far as how good it feels being 3-0, and being the recognized, at least by the AP, as the number eight team in the country right now? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, it feels extremely well. Um, but at the end of the day, we've done what we set out to do. We've won every game that we needed to up to this point. Um, you know, we've grown as a team week by week in certain phases, in certain ways. Um, you know, gone through a lot of adversity and, uh, you know, again, we've just put ourselves in the position that we want to be in to continuing to get better each and every week and to put ourselves in a position to play for championships at the end of the year. And again, ultimately you got to be playing your best ball at the end of the year. And again, we're continuing our momentum of that, but, uh, it is, it is great because you love seeing the the recognition come to the guys that, you know, put so much into this throughout the whole year and years before that. And uh, it is, it's great to see. And, you know, like I said, we're never satisfied and we're going to keep going. So what's your role in the game, assuming that you handle warmups generally, but after kickoff, are you just hanging out with the trainers? Are you a pure energy slash hype guy? Are you another set of eyes to help call out the offensive or defensive opportunities? Or are you just enjoying the game like any fan with the best seat in the house? <laughs> yes, I am calling every defensive and offensive scheme that I see. Oh, yeah. I'm giving all the, I'm giving all the, the coaches my insight, my personal insight. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not doing any of that. Um, you know, again, I think the latter part of what you said is kind of more so than anything. I do have the best seat in the house. Um, it is a day for me and my staff to kind of do kind of enjoy, you know, seeing all the hard work that these guys put in for the past year. And like I said earlier, years before that, and just watching them go out there and have fun playing the game that they love. But uh, you are, you're watching everything. You're watching to see if, you know, someone is, uh, you know, grabbing at, you know, their shoulder or their hamstring or something like that. And, you know, making sure everybody's being hydrated throughout the game. Um, you know, talking with the trainers, if somebody does have a boo-boo, um, you know, just making sure you're on point with all that stuff, but, you know, making sure the sidelines kept back, um, 
no doubt. Yes. I mean, I, I try to be as even keeled as I can on the sideline. I kind of learned that from coach Mick. Um, you know, there's no need for me to be a jester on the sideline and waving a towel, doing all that kind of crazy stuff because, you know, let's face it, the kids are going to feed off the game. They're going to feed off each other. Um, but no doubt if something big happens and, you know, we make a big play or, um, someone does something really awesome. I'm going to celebrate my heart out. And, you know, I just, I think that the number one thing that our whole program's about when it comes to game days, is I'm going to have fun. So you mentioned hydration. How difficult is it to keep the team hydrated on a day that was hot, as hot as Saturday was? And is there a process that's used to ensure that the team's hydrated or is it as simple as just keep telling them to drink water, Gatorade and all that? Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely was one of the hottest games I've ever been a part of. Um, but again, you know, everybody thinks hydration with cramping and all that stuff. It doesn't just happen on game day. I mean, true hydration of your body to be prepared to go do what you have to do on Saturday. It really starts back on Tuesday. And, you know, I, I we pride ourselves in our program of, you know, hydration is the ultimate thing that we, you know, hold ourselves to. And every day we we hydrate the kids nonstop. Um, we make it an emphasis on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and yeah, even more so on game day. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we'll do with certain guys, whether it's pregame IVs or halftime IVs and all that stuff, just to kind of give a little, you know, extra ammo in the, in the chamber for you. But um, it's, it's a constant thing, man. You're out there, it's hot, you're burning calories, you're sweating nonstop. You got to replenish those fluids. And, uh, you know, again, that's just a testament to our training staff and my staff to, to keep that at the utmost priority. So you've been a part of a lot of different teams, not just Cincinnati. Um, what's your favorite bowl trip? Uh, whether it be, uh, you know, with Cincinnati or not. My favorite bowl trip. Um, man. Uh, I mean, the ones that we've won here, for sure. I mean, what makes any bowl trip better is when you win. I mean, you know, again, uh, 2013 at Mississippi State, we went to the Liberty Bowl. We played Rice, and we beat them easily. That was a great win. That was a great bowl trip. Why? Because you won. 2014, Mississippi State, you go to the Orange Bowl, play Georgia Tech. Our defensive coordinator leaves before the game. We lose the game. Not a great bowl trip. You're in Miami, Florida. It's great. No, no you lost. 2015, we go to the Fiesta Bowl, uh, play Notre Dame, whoop their butt. You win. Great bowl trip. 2016, go to the college football playoff, play Clemson. You lose. Horrible bowl trip. 2018, go to um, uh, Annapolis. Playing the military bowl, you win. It's a great bowl trip. <laughs> 2019, go to the Birmingham Bowl, you win. It's a great bowl trip. Last year, go to go to Atlanta, Georgia, playing the Peach Bowl, you lose. Awful bowl trip. Um, you know, I say that just because winning is everything. But um, you know, again, I, I would be, you know, I'd be wrong if I said that the bowl trips that we've had here don't mean more to me. Just being the the head strength coach and just seeing you know, the progress that this program has done, all the, the hard work and the effort that we've put into it and the guys, you know, seeing it all pay off, um, you know, but 
I would be, uh, I'd be uh, wrong to say that my favorite will be this year's. How about Ooh, that? I love that. So this question. Only, only three more games from bowl eligibility. There you go. Um, this question, I don't necessarily love the way it's worded, but um, who do you most look forward to watching on Sundays? On the current Player roster. One? On the Player current one? roster. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I mean, everybody. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but like, <laughs> again, you, you see all these kids, they work their butts off, man. I mean, all year. And uh, they give so much to this program to the to to their brothers and all that stuff um i mean you can't help it but you know game day is their day it's their day to reap the rewards of all the things that they've worked so hard for and like i said earlier you're only guaranteed 12 of them so you don't take one of those for granted um you know but again just my mentality my mindset my eyes are always on the o-line d-line you know the guys that are in the trenches that are going to war every single snap um, you know, moving bodies, 300 pound plus guys, all that stuff. But uh, it is, man. I mean, I don't want to take the easy road out, but I love seeing all the kids, man. It, it is. It's it's the most fun that you can have on game day is watching these kids go out there and play the game that they love because they've worked so hard for it. And you just want to see them go out there and do what they love to do and be successful. So do you feel like the Tyler Scott pass in the uh, game one, was the loudest that Nippert's been, or do you feel like it was louder on the uh, sauce pick six versus UCF? Oh man, that's a tough question. Who would ask that? UC Merck. <laughs> um, I mean, crap. Uh, you know, it, it, it was loud. It was extremely loud a couple of weeks ago. And again, you know, I, I granted that to the COVID year and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, who? That was a that was a night game in the nip against a big time opponent. Um, Intentions were high, extremely when he that high. Ball. And that was like a that had been a game full of anxiety, indeed. Up to and that, that point. was a young, a young, skinny, true freshman, Ahmad Gardner. Um, but I would have to say, the noise level would go to Ahmad's pick at that time. Um, but again. Well, Tyler wasn't far behind. Exactly. Well, hopefully we'll be comparing that and a mods pick to certain other events throughout this year. I like it. Um, do you have any insight on how Brady Lichtenberg's doing his development, arm strength, overall strength, anything like that? Why would he have any insight on his overall strength? Do you think he like trains him or something? So, so strange. <laughs> so weird. Has has he earned the name Brady yet? That's that's the main question. I still only call him Lichtenberg. Um, you know, again, that's that's such a great name to live up to. But uh, no, I mean Brady's doing a great job. He really is, and uh, you know, a benefit to the room that he is in. You got the ultimate human being and competitor and leader in Desmond Ritter. You got Evan Prater, who's in my opinion, you know, Desmond Ritter 2.0, a very young Des, you know, very similar bodies and all that type of stuff. Um, but he is, he's doing an unbelievable job. Uh, knows his role, grinds every single day, does a great job in the weight room, is a great leader of his freshman class. Um, 
you know, has a good voice to him, has great leadership um, characteristics to himself and uh, is a guy that I can see for sure down the road, you know, doing some great things for this program. Does he know his role and shut his mouth? The rock says that's important. If you got to, you got to know your role, but you also have to shut your mouth. A hundred percent. He does. He does. Jabronis. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Brady with the eyebrow. Love it. So you That's our generation, man. That's my generation. You aren't lying there. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier in the podcast tonight, and also uh, Pete Thamel had talked about it on his own podcast. Um, you mentioned the word mono. So when you deal with a player who has mono, um, what kind of precautions do you have to take with a player coming back from mono, uh, especially with you know a potential possibility of a spleen rupture or something of that nature? Yeah, I mean, again, that's uh, you know kind of one of those things we pride our whole program on is communication. You know, between the football staff, strength staff training staff, um, you know, making sure you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. Um, you know, again, when a player comes back from mono or is fighting through mono and all those things, you know, number one thing we want to help take care of him. And we know he's going through a sickness. You know, we know his appetite's down and his body weight's going to be a little rough and all that stuff. So you do everything you can to help him, to aid him. Um, you know, and then we'll work in conjunction with the, sports uh, medicine staff to make sure we're properly, you know, building him back up to, um, you know, to those levels that he needs to go out and practice and not just throwing him out there day one and seeing how well he does, like slowly integrating him back into it. Same thing goes, you know, from our end in the weight room. So it's a fine line, but uh, it's also something that, you know, again, like I said, we pride ourselves on, we always are going to, um, aid on the side of caution and make sure we're taking care of the student athlete, number one. Um, but uh, we'll make sure big Vincenzo is ready to go whenever he feels um, fully ready. Are you a muscle car guy or a monster truck guy? <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> I don't write the questions in the bag, man. A muscle car guy or a monster truck guy? Well, I will say this. His truck is pretty since- damn big. Ever since I was, uh, man, probably sixth grade, I don't know what it is. My my uh, my dad's brother, my uncle, was a big, you know, Mopar guy. That's how uncles work. Kind of yep. Um, but I don't know what it is. I think, I think it might have been like some movies or something. But, you know, I, I remember being young and looking at Auto Trader magazines and all that kind of stuff. Um, my, like, dream car is a 68 Chevy Camaro SS, all mm-hmm. black. Um, maybe you could throw some red racing stripes down it, you know, for the pets, you know. But uh, to me, man, I mean, there's there's nothing better than American muscle cars. Um, you know, it's just uh, a figurehead of, you know, Americana, you know, take that's a pastime. Um, it's something that I think is never going to go out. I mean, you know, you, you look, you could probably look online right now and, Look up any year, any model, probably been restored, may, might be refurbished, whatever it is. Um, but there's nothing that beats American muscle car for sure. Do you know if those were American refs or Big Ten refs? Big Ten refs. Okay. How, didn't that, isn't it supposed to be when you travel, you bring your officials with you? 
So will there be Amer- will there be Big Twelve refs or American refs at the NIP yep. next year? You know what? I wish I knew uh, the answer to that, but I have no idea. Um, you know, again, I I, uh, I don't know. I have no idea about all that kind of stuff, but I, I know for sure those were Big Ten refs. Um, I don't know what it will be like when we go to Notre Dame if it's uh, independent refs. Or, Do they have independent refs? Is that- I, I don't know. <laughs> are they are they can- half ACC half? AAC can we can we get more can we get Mormon refs I mean you know I don't we don't want Catholic refs that's a problem (laughs) that's you know I have heard when you go to Notre Dame sometimes it you know you might get a little you know suspect calls here and there but uh you know I'll (laughs) I'll let that be to uh those that are much higher above my pay grade um but uh yeah you know hey the refs don't matter wherever affiliation they're from we got to do what we got to do. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're going to set out to do. Did you watch Deshaun Pace's Instagram story from after the game? Absolutely <laughs> legendary stuff from Fick, but I'm sure it won't be up long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched it. I was right behind them. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, again, you, you love the kids having fun in the locker room and all that stuff. Um, you know, whatever, is out there for guys to watch. You're not going to see anything that's going to make you go, Oh my gosh, or say anything. That's just, uh, that's something very special to us. That's the locker room post victory, um, celebrating with the boys, with the staff, um, as a family. And, uh, you know, again, that's just kind of like a little insight to what it's like in our locker room every single day, you know? And, uh, I wish, uh, I wish he probably would have had his phone out for all those reasons, but you know what? He had a great game. So, <laughs> um, What do you think is causing all the chaos in football so far? A large amount of super seniors in the non-blue chip top schools while the tier one teams all got young? Uh, I think it's just college football, man. College football is unbelievable. I mean, oh. let's face it. At any given day, some team can beat another team. And you can say whatever you want. You could say, oh, this team has 35 stars and this and that. And they won the national championship last year, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. When you put the ball down, it's not about stars. It's about your heart. It's about your ego. It's about your mind, your work ethic, all those things, your toughness. And, uh, you know, that's something that you can't put a label on. And, uh, you know, it, it has. It's been really cool to see in the first couple of weeks of college football to see you know, some of these so-called upsets and um, close games and all that stuff. That's what makes our our world so, so amazing. I mean, college football is the greatest sport in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't credit it to super seniors or transfers or anything like that. I would just credit it to the team that is prepared the most, that willed their team to win and wanted it the most. So, you know, again – we're going to continue to do what we have to do to put ourselves on that, on that side that is continuing to celebrate. Don't you think there is some, um, I don't like reality of like, if you look around the NFL right now, all of the top teams quarterbacks were drafted high and they're replacing the, you know, the most important position. A lot of times with guys that not just guys that like, 
worked their way up the ladder and started for a year or so. But if you look, those, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Fields and, and a lot of those guys started two, three years like they were integral to the success. One of the reasons Cincinnati's like if this would have if the timing wouldn't have worked out or let's say Des goes pro last year and 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 if you know that probably would have changed things with Ben uh, long term. But, you know, if it's Evan Prater, the outlook on this team is a little bit different because you've got a guy under center that's learning on the fly. A lot of those teams have guys learning on the fly. And if you look around at the teams that are pushing them, most of them have veteran quarterbacks, you know, veterans that are running their teams. So it might not be the super senior thing, but there is some relevance to the timing of how, you know, last year ended going into the start of this year. No, no, I mean, I would totally agree with you on that. I mean, at any level, high school, college, NFL, it's a quarterback-driven league, you know? And uh, that's why we are so fortunate to have someone like Desmond Ritter still patrolling our sidelines, still leading our program. Um, you know, again, it's uh, it's something we don't take for granted. It's something that we thrive ourselves and, you know, use his motivation to continue to enhance him and make him better for not only himself in the future, but for this program, but it is something that I think, you know, you, you do make a valid point. I mean, look at Clemson and, you know, you got that quarterback that is stepping in for, you know, the first overall pick Trevor Lawrence. And he played in the one game last year with the COVID outbreak and all that stuff and did, you know, decently well, but now it's his team and it's his turn. And, you know, how is he performing and all that stuff? I'm not going to get into that because I have no idea, but uh, you know, it is, it's just uh something that you don't take for granted because all these kids had a decision to make and they made them selfishly for their own reasons. And, you know, granted, we're one of those programs that, you know, have, have the guy that did all the decisions in all the right ways to benefit himself, not only our program for the future and, uh, and the present. And, you know, we're just going to continue to ride that. Well, I think that's that's more or less the uh, the mailbag here for you. So you are uh, off the hot seat there, Mr. Brady. Oh, no, let's let's. I'm not ready to be done with him. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. All I, night. I got, he said he was he was good. Like this is his mistake. <laughs> uh, which TV character influenced your sense of humor the most? Do I have a list of options? No. Like this is a you ended like. Which when you TV? were when you were yeah when you were young and watching TV growing up like what comedy like sitcom character were you like most drawn to? Oh man, uh, I mean I grew up. My brother and I we would stay up late every Saturday. We'd watch SNL. Um, and, you know, Which that, was again, big that back was then. Yes, very big. That was in the prime. You know, you had Will Ferrell um, and all those guys during that time. Um, but TV, you, in, um, in living color probably would have been right around then. In living too, color, right? living color. I was young, but yes, in living color was around. I was, I was Mad TV, Mad TV was big. Too. Yeah, mm -hmm. we used to enjoy flipping back and forth from SNL to Mad TV. Um, I thought Will Sasso was hilarious. Um, okay, but anybody that shaped me personally, man, that's your tough. sense of humor. Like not shaped you, but like your 
like what you found funny like that like this is who like i kind of related to more than anybody comedy wise for me oh. it's zach morris i i used to love saved by the bell when i was little my mom used to always tell me i wanted to change my name to zach because i love zach morris that much which is kind of scary but again um i loved i loved watching conan o'brien um I still yeah. go back and watch like Conan clips. He, he's yeah. he's a funny dude. He is. I mean, that's that's tough. That's a tough question, just because you know. Again, I, I'm a guy. I love I love TV. I love movies. I'm a big movie guy. Um, you know, I can't say there's one thing that really like shaped me, but uh, I would say for me it was more shows, right? Like, yeah, my two growing up that kind of were my like up my alley were night court it's a great show great show and, and cheers it's a great show those two for me like that was what i found funny and comedy wise eddie murphy raw was that was that was my that i still pretty much know every word i was eddie a young baby i was a young baby when when that was out but uh i'm a little older than you not a lot but a little are. i know you are but again I was probably so, too young to be watching Eddie Murphy raw, but exactly. I did. <laughs> you know, I, but I'm I so did. well, I'm so well educated in that culture that, you know, I too, I know night court. Um, and I do, you know, I know I, all of I was shows. a Dan fielding guy. So I, as, as hard as that may be for some people to believe big Dan fielding guy and Aaron and Brent are looking at the screen. Like, well, no, was that bull? <laughs> yeah, that was bull. Bull was, was on bull. night court. All right. So see, I, I got you. Marky Post, who Marky Post was that for back in the day, Marky Post was hot. Didn't didn't one of the <laughs> chicks from Night Court just pass? Might have been Marky Post. Okay. Ooh. It was the blonde. Yeah, yeah, that's her. That's Marky okay. Post. I mean, I, I remember being young, you know, watching uh TV shows in my parents' bedroom on the floor, Magnum PI, uh Night Court was one of them, MASH um my dad was a huge mash guy here's a random one that i don't know why it's always stuck in my head like it's a memory that i can just always remember is laying on my parents bed or parents floor like they're in the bed all of us kids are on the floor and we're watching do you remember there was a tv show beauty and the beast Hmm. no i I remember it but it wasn't like a regular one that we watched there was a cartoon so the woman, no, it was a it was a TV show. The woman that was in it was the woman from Terminator. Yeah, yeah, I remember it, but it wasn't like a regular no thing that we but watched. I just, your mom made remember, your dad watch. I remember that. it so clear. Your um, mom made your dad watch that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, and some, I, you know, I didn't really have a mom, so I just watched what my dad watched, which was, you know, the the comedy stuff that I probably shouldn't have been watching at that age. Yeah, it's like a you know, like I, this is a the funny story, kind of. Like my brother, my daughter listen. You know, I, I'm not real restrictive on like what she can listen to and and what she can't because I, I remember growing up and the stuff I was told not to listen to, I was listening to. I it, like when you're not around, I'm gonna find it, listen to it. So I've never, you know. So my brother got into it with me one time on like, you know, you can't let your daughter listen to. There's Nicki Minaj or something. And I'm like, man, when I was 12 and you were nine, we were listening to NWA. Uh Like, 
NWA. Like, the federal government tried to shut down NWA. Like, I don't want to hear a damn thing about it's going to ruin these kids because they're listening, you know. Now, I did move to Compton, and I mean, I didn't kill anybody, but, you know. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, let the kids have a little bit of fun. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. What, Unreal. did I listen to WA when I was 12? Is that really a surprise? No, I'm, I'm just picturing you in Compton. I think that's the part that was actually unbelievable. No, I hung, I used to have a friend, Dre. Uh, we went to his house one time. Uh, was he a doctor? No, he was not. <laughs> it would have been awesome if he was. He was a radio, <laughs> like, he, create some he, really he, cool he, headphones or something? He, he worked in sales at Radio Shack, same as I did. Um, <laughs> we went to his house. He lived in the, in the heart of Compton. And he was like, let's stop over my boy's house. And uh, we got there about 15 minutes after the, the federal police had just raided his boy's house. I was like, we're not going there. <laughs> like, welcome to Compton. <laughs> was it Ice Cube? No, it was, it was MC. Did you see the, the, the cleats yesterday? I got a, I got a, Bamani Jones was tweeting a lot about this. The, Who's I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. Somebody had cleats that had Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Eazy-E on them with Snoop Dogg. Hmm. Snoop Dogg wasn't fucking in the NWA. Like, no. MC Ren, MC Ren, nobody, like, MC, you talk, is there a more disrespected mu musical artist in the history of music than MC Ren? It was Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun, yeah, Deshaun Jackson. Jackson. He, he had the three guys from NWA and Snoop because, like, nobody respects MC Ren, and that's just a travesty. And Kobe, apparently, as well. <laughs> Kobe was on, like, the, like the other shoe or something? I, I, I'm just seeing. Repping Cali Legends, Kobe, Snoop, and Dr. Dre. Also Ice Cube and Eazy-E. <laughs> Kobe must have been on the other shoe. But poor MC Ren. Man, that guy had... Like, remember when NWA was going to get back together? You guys don't remember this, but NWA was going to get back together. And, like, you know, everybody was, like, bickering. And MC Ren was just like, please, like, let's go. Let's get back together. All of you have become the biggest stars in the world. And I'm just MC Ren that can't make a, can't make a dollar. Brady's ready to get the hell out of here now. I bored him to death. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Well, how about the? There was another question that uh, UC Merck threw out. One more. Was, uh, there, uh, it was what D -Monk. song will you? D yeah. What song will you hate -Monk, until yeah. you die? What song will I what? Hate until hate? you die. Until you die. Like, what's your least favorite song ever? Um, my least favorite song ever. Uh, <laughs> Man, I mean, these questions are, are rough. They are. Uh, yeah, we have to do this every week in the mailbag. Like, this has become their <laughs> thing to stump us. They keep asking. I tell them every week, I don't watch movies. I'm not a movie guy. And they ask us oh, movie questions every week. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll take all the movie questions because I love movies. Same. Well, I love we'll, hit, we'll hit you with this love one then, movies. Brady, when, when we're done. The least favorite song. Oh, man. Uh, man, that's tough. Um, I'm thinking of songs that are just irritating to everyone. Anything Taylor Swift? 
Oh, I um, love Taylor Swift. Of course you do. Oh, she's oh, got, she got some good ones. She's got some bangers for sure. What, what was that one by Cher? Do you believe in life after love? That was a <laughs> that was a That's... banger. Uh, no, you know what? Uh, I was gonna say Blue that. by Eiffel sixty five. Oh. Um. The Mambo YMCA. number five. Mambo oh. number five. That was a good one. You, your musical taste sucks. I never. Oh, if we're on. ever riding somewhere, your playlist is not allowed on my radio. <laughs> I'm just a lover of all. I'm just a lover of all. Give me any music. Maybe, maybe some, uh, maybe some Nickelback. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna go. Same. You're not a Nickelback fan. Are, I mean, are you Creed? Usually, well, the people that hate Nickelback also hate Creed. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love me some Creed. There we go. Okay. Can you <laughs> take me higher? Come Can on. you take me higher? <laughs> but something about Nickelback. Look at this. Look at this photograph. Every time I see it makes me laugh. Yeah, but I mean, the, I mean, they've got some bangers too, though. You gotta admit. They do have some quote unquote bangers. Right. But are they really bangers? <laughs> no, no. I just can't just, just overplayed songs i guess you could say i can't get past this macaroni that was taking a break and stone temple pilots were kind of fizzing out and you know aerosmith was on the downswing and right here comes nickelback and they're like hey let's be pop rock we're kind and of pop- exactly like all of them a little how bit. about bush glycerine i hated that song you you hate bush no glycerine just specifically oh glycerine oh. glycerine i mean come on bush machine head Glycerine, like machine those are, machine, machine has a great head. one. Glycerine was nails on a chalkboard. You know, you know a band that I don't think gets as much love as they should. The Stone Temple Pilots. I love Stone Temple Pilots. Now, Interstate Roads, like Interstate Vaseline, Interstate Roads, Fuel. I mean, so many great yeah. songs. Ooh. No, I love STP. Um, you know what else? It, it leads me into more, more two um, thousands, but Audio Slave. Like Audio Slave, I was like, I I basically had two forms of music, like two styles of music, in my formative years: gangster rap and grunge. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I you know, those are my two like go-to playlists. Yeah. Either heavy Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sublime, love Sublime, um, like that genre, and then you know, Outkast. NWA, Snoop, Dre, you know, that what about, like what about Biggie? 311. I like 311. I saw 311 live a couple times. Were they good? They were very good live. Very good. Uh yeah, like Biggie. Here's the thing for me. This probably this is a, an unpopular music opinion. I was a big, like I was much bigger into Tupac, like at the moment. Biggie's music aged much better than Tupac's. Hmm. Like I, I listen to Biggie now way more than I did then. And when Tupac comes on, unless it's like three or four songs, I skip it. I'm a, like Tupac's music didn't age well. I can dig that. Tupac has some angry songs though. No, it's not just that. I just like so did music. Biggie, but the music Poetic. didn't. Yeah, Poetic. like I still like Pac's music, but I just like the the beats, like the the production of it. Tupac didn't age well. When Juicy comes on, you're like, all right, yeah, here we go. Right, and right. if you don't know now, you know. Like it, that's Biggie had better music than Tupac. It's true. It's a hot take. And then hit him with the music of the movie one, and then we'll let him go. 
So if you had to slot us as Harry Potter characters, are you a Harry Potter guy, Brady? You said you love movies. I'm not going to lie to you. So growing up, you know, again, probably when I was in middle school, near high school, that's when Harry Potter really started to bloom. I was that type. Just like I used to say with the uh, Lord of the Rings. I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. Why are you guys watching that? But And then when I got to college and I watched all of the Lord of the Rings in one day, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> um, you know, my wife was a big Harry Potter fan. She read all the books, went all the movies and all that stuff back in middle school and high school. And, uh, you know, my daughter's five. My son's only two, but they love Harry Potter. Like oh. we've watched the first two Harry Potter movies and they love it. Like my, I mean, my daughter's got a Slytherin robe. My oh, son has nice. a Gryffindor robe. Um, my, uh, my, my dad took, uh, my daughter to the, to Harry the mall. Potter world. Yeah. Oh, yep. oh, okay. She took my, my daughter to the mall a couple months ago for her birthday and got her, you know, a Build-A-Bear, built her a bear and all that stuff of Harry Potter and all that. Wow. Um, so I am, I am, I am fully embraced in the Harry Potter world now. Um, the only three, the only four Bearcat Journal staffers you know are us three and Dave, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll do the we'll do and those Dave, four. Dave, not so much, but a little bit. A little bit, yeah. You've done a podcast with Dave. You've met Dave yeah. in person. Like I'm not as Dave. blessed to be in the in the presence of Aaron and Brent. You know, Dave is I don't know what Dave's a Thursday guy, right? He's a Thursday right. Guy. Dave's the Thursday guy. But I feel uh, like Chad's okay. Hagrid. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go Harry Potter characters for this group right here. Okay. Yeah. Right away, we're going. Brent Young is Hagrid. Oh, okay. All he right. just, you know, it gives off that vibe of you know the guy that you just want to be around and you know go to for advice and if anything happens, he's there for you. Um, I'm blushing. Thank you. You should be blushing. You should be. <laughs> um, Man, this is getting hard. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. All one of them. <laughs> That's what she we'll said. Say, uh, we'll say, <laughs> we'll say, um, we'll say, Chad is uh, is is uh, Professor Snape. Ah, how about that? Huh? I like that a think, lot, actually. You think he's bad, right? But in turn, he's good. He's got a heart of gold. Yeah. Okay. A I heart like of that. gold. Okay. I like that. You see that? I'm not supposed to tell um, anybody that. No one knows Snape does. <laughs> With Aaron, oh man, let's see. Um, that's tough. Let's go. Uh, um, man, how about uh, what's the uh, the professor in the in the second movie that is uh, you know, all high on himself, but like. He doesn't know any wizardry or whatever. I don't know if I like this assessment. <laughs> I don't know his name. I'm just trying to pin you to a character of Harry Potter. I'm not going to make you a bad guy. At this point, I would have taken Ron Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm not going to say anybody's Harry or Ron or uh, Draco Malfoy or anything like that. We can say Aaron is Hermione. That's fine. <laughs> I don't think we want to go that far. I'm just trying to compare, you know, personalities and all those things. I don't know. I've um, never watched one of the movies. Oh, man. I would say you might want to delve into those movies. 
Yeah. I, I, I would also say, be, like, I think my age gap just missed it. I think your daughter would love that, that. too. That, too. Like, your I, daughter, I think your daughter I was, might. She might. Um, but I think, like, my age, I just missed Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, like, were I was living in L.A. and, like, going to fish shows. And my <laughs> 20s are kind of blurry. So Shocker. maybe yeah. I did watch. Maybe I did watch him. And I you might have watched it late night sometimes. <laughs> I don't remember. This Harry Potter guy, he is something. I tell you, I what. was I was probably too busy watching The Wizard of Oz synced up to Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, there we go. Oh, there you go. That could be a could be a night to remember right there. <laughs> you know, and I I hear you saying that, and in hindsight, you know, again, I'm I'm 35. Um, but again, what are the movies? So like I missed by eight, like I eight years. That's around the Harry Potter, the big yeah, Lord the of big. the Rings gap. But when I think of like the movies that I like grew up on, and that like I just, I mean, they're the, like the heart and soul of me. I mean, Indiana Jones, right? Um, you know, Back to the Futures. You know, those movies for some reason, those trilogies, they stick to me. And like, you know, I they were they were way before me, and I was very young. But just watching them as I grew up, you know, I don't know what it is, but those movies just stand out to me. Um, you know, the Batmans, obviously. I mean, but I was a little bit older for those Batmans. Um, those are so good, know. though. When, when so is good. somebody when is somebody going to ask me to do the BCJ staff as like the dazed and confused? Uh, <laughs> that would be that would be the most realistic thing you could do, right? <laughs> Or fast times or, at Richmond, or fast times at fast Richmond. times, absolutely. Uh, that would half be the baked, best. half yeah. baked, half baked. There's only so many characters in half baked. That's that yeah, really it's kind of limited. Yeah, it's kind of limited. Aaron you know. would be Jim Brewer for sure. Ooh, I can own that. I like it. I, like it. <laughs> I would be. Sapel. I see the similarities. <laughs> Brent would be Kenny. Yes. Yeah. Sell it. <laughs> Go, <laughs> you know what's funny and I, I don't mean to bring you know not like sorrow or anything to the podcast here but um you know the day norm mcdonald passed uh i love it was norm. funny right it was it's not funny mm -hmm. but it was because that very morning i was on the treadmill doing my morning run i was watching the movie dirty work great movie great, great movie. movie great movie. awesome him and Artie lang and so many others right and uh is already like, dead yet no how did Artie no survive still alive, still alive. all Norm these uh, all these great crazy. comedians are dead and Artie's still alive his still whole alive. nasal cavity is gone from all gone. the coke he did mm -hmm. <laughs> Think about because his nose doesn't exist anymore from all the coke he did <laughs> he's still alive Keith his Richards nose, is like what the fuck bro <laughs> his nose his nose is very reminiscent of uh, Chris Farley's character in Dirty Work, his yeah. nose was bitten off by a Saigon whore. Right. <laughs> See, this weird. is the good stuff. This is the good, like this is the good stuff we've never gotten to Brady and <laughs> getting to know Brady. That's right. Again, movies. We talk about too much day. serious stuff. Well, you know, yeah, that's right. Who wants to hear about serious stuff? Yeah, no one. The football, football team, jumbo. they go, they go, they go. Hey, let's talk about movies and music. I yeah. like this. <laughs> and food. I like it. And, and food. food. Mm -hmm. We can talk about you've... food. Oh, you're gonna, you're not gonna. You might want to come on Thursday. What we got, got? A, we got an awesome guest for Thursday. Do you follow Action Cookbook? I don't know. No, I don't. 
So he he writes a uh, a blog, like a food blog, called Action Cookbook. He's a UC alum, diehard UC football fan. Uh, one of the things he wrote today was basically like uh, everything I needed to know in life I learned at Nippert Stadium, and he related all these life lessons to like things he had learned at Nippert Stadium. Here, let me see if I can pull up. Talk for a second, guys. Well, to get you to get as you're looking at the uh, Hawaiian uh, and in Hawaiian food yeah, shop. How, how, that's been a big hit, right? The first. Oh, it's been huge. Game. Everybody's loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Okay, good to hear. Um, sometimes you'll surprise everyone, yourself included, about the year that Cincinnati beat Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team that won the Rose Bowl with Ron Day, 1999. Uh, by the mid-90s, the, the Bearcats football program was digging out of a decades-long hole. No one could have predicted in 1999. The team would go 3-8 and eight on the season, but would also upset a Wisconsin team that would go on to win the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl behind Ron Dane. Uh, remember what it feels like to just miss out. 2002, September 21st, two drop passes away from – from ruining Ohio State's national championship season. But that was at Paul Brown. Well, but it was still a home game. Right, right, right. Yes, it was at Paul Brown. But Action Cookbook, you're, he's coming on with us Thursday. Um, he's written a bunch of really pro-UC, like, blogs and stuff. Awesome. I, I, I really don't – I'm not overly familiar with him. We haven't talked to him or, or interviewed him yet, but I'm really looking forward to Thursday. Got, like, 20,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, he's kind of, he worked with EDSBS. Like this is I'm hoping this is my end to get uh EDSBS on a podcast someday. And and his, his that guy's Twitter like the holy grail of podcast like. guests. Who EDSPS? Yeah. Yeah. That guy's the shit. But yeah, action cookbook. It's the the Twitter picture is just a uh a bear cat, a naked bear cat flexing. <laughs> But all right, Brady, thank you, sir. This was a lot of fun. We missed you for a couple of weeks. Like we've missed you a lot, Brady. I missed all of you as well. It's been a long it was, time. It was great to hang out, and you'll probably be a little tired in the morning because this is past your bedtime. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, bye. Nah, he's got a movie to watch. Bye week. Bye, bye week. week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, brother. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. No problem, boys. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you, Brady. See you next time. All righty, Brady. Thanks, brother. See you. As always. Wow. That was as good of a Brady episode as we've ever had. I mean, and it's it, it comes at a fitting time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, by week. It's you know, you guys we have, have some... an action cookbook, so we're we're good to have Brady on for a for a whale of a time. Yeah, I mean, this is like you know, kind of a, a good reset because I m- next Monday we're going to get a lot, want to get into a lot of Notre Dame stuff and kind of like right start setting up the stage for one of the bigger weeks in program history. There was a lot to react to that happened at, at Indiana. Yep. Um, so no, that was phenomenal. All right. Uh, you guys are going to have to handle like the next 10 minutes. So oh. if you guys want to give your thoughts on the Indiana game, like uh, I, it, it is, it is bedtime for the kid, right? <laughs> and I am, I am both parents right now. Yes. Uh, Kelly usually handles this stuff, right? So I, I'm we, gonna hit what? We got you. All right, you guys got like ten, maybe fifteen minutes. Do your thing. Talk about the Indiana game. 
If you want to for me, Brent, I want you to answer why Tom Allen wasn't able to recruit a better backup middle linebacker. Poof, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's your theme Aaron, on Twitter a lot today. That was Aaron's theme. Well, that was Aaron's theme on Twitter. Aaron hit that one out of the park. If you don't know, now you know. Okay, there we See, go. See, I like that. That was a good flow. When when Micah McFadden went out, if the name sounded familiar for Indiana's middle linebacker, it's because it was Tom Allen's kid. So the Indiana <laughs> fans shitting all over the Indiana defense because they lost one player. Yeah, well, your coach recruited that kid from his uh, from his mom's womb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, like 10, 15 minutes. I, I'm just going to let it roll. All right. And, and now and, he's gone. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. I, well, you know, I, I mean, by the time it comes back, it's going to be time to just, just wrap, wrap it all up. up. <laughs> but, but didn't no, leave yet. Calm down. Calm down. I didn't leave yet. No, I'm just okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good night, Kelsey. Good night. But Aaron. But Brent. Go ahead and wrap it up with a nice silver bow for us. You're just your, your final thoughts on that IU game. I know you were able to take it in. I know you were able to have some some good outlook on it. And, of course, it kind of – the grand scheme of things, the the AAC just seems to be kind of a big old hog mess within itself. Uh, I, I mean, that UCF game, the ending, was just one of those that will have you kicking yourself for quite a while because we needed them to be really good. And, I agree. And a loss like that at Louisville, the way they lost, and then, of course, the Dylan Gabriel thing now, it's just yeah. – Oh, a lot of things are, are folding into one, but just, just an over, overall general outlook on the IU game and then, of course, what you think as far as the AAC with your wrap-up. Well, I'm going to actually go the reverse angle on that because I don't know that Chad's really going to have a ton to jump in on any of the AAC stuff. If, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, he'd have some opinions on the Indiana stuff as opposed to. So just kind of kind of breaking that down, I guess. Um, you know, you, you touched on the UCF thing. I completely agree. You know, I mean, that game was within UCF's grasp and mm-hmm. they completely, no pun intended, dropped the ball. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you, you'd like to think that if UCF wins, they're, you know, probably in the top 25. Right. This, you know, with the new rankings that came out, that all said, you can't necessarily, while you, you hope for it, at the end of the day, you only can play what's on your schedule regardless. Right. I mean, sure, would have loved to see them ranked when we played them. That said, who's to say that they aren't? I mean, if, if Louisville at Louisville is your only loss going into that game, I know that they're bringing in a – I can't remember his last name, but uh, it's a freshman quarterback that's going to be taking over Mikey, Mikey something. Um, again, freshman, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what UCF has to offer as far as the rest of the season goes, I think that the bigger game that was just a head scratcher is everything that happened in that Memphis game, which was Mm -hmm. absolutely wild. I've never seen a play like that in all of my life. And then for the sec to have to come back and actually apologize for the way that the referees handled that play. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Calvin Austin, the third after the ball was downed on a kick, a punt rather, uh, he just scoops the ball up off the ground and just runs 94 yards the other way with it. Absolutely out of control. Mm-hmm. Ball should have been down. Not to mention the fact that there were two number fours in the game on that play. <laughs> and 
And I believe there were also 12 men on the field, if I remember correctly. So just all of it completely out of control. Play should have been just reviewed at the very least. I don't know how it wasn't. And I don't know how the, the touchdown stood. That was just blown call after blown call all on the same play. If you're on the other side of that call as a fan, I'd be losing my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's still a win against an SEC team, which, I mean, Mississippi State's not, you know, going to really dominate many teams this year. But still, it's a, it's a big win against an SEC team. Uh, you have the Tulsa-Ohio State game, and that game, while the final score was 20-41, that game was way closer than the final score indicated as it was 20-27 in the fourth quarter, and Tulsa had definitely had an opportunity to stay in the game, and they just fell a little flat in that fourth quarter, unfortunately, for Tulsa. Um, I know that there's plenty of uh, crossover Ohio State-Cincinnati fans, which I'll never understand, but there are those out there who can do that. Um, I was disappointed to see Tulsa lose, but that's that's just me. Um, Tulane against Ole Miss. We may have seen Tulane's best ball early in the season already. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't hope that's the case because I think as Tulane goes, the conference gets maybe a little bit more respect as the more mentionable teams you have at the top of this conference, uh, the better the conference is going to look overall, the better the conference schedule is going to look overall. Uh, unfortunately in a 61 21 game, that was not the case here. And we got to hope that, that Tulane gifts the Bearcats with a Heisman performance for Des Ritter like they did for Matt Coral. What, what, seven total touchdowns? That's, a, that's insane. But, I mean, they had se- over 700 yards of offense, <laughs> and that's out of control. I'd love to see a 700-yard of offense game for Cincinnati. I don't know that that's ever happened. That might be an actual school record. Um, I, I don't know what that record is currently stands at we don't see the uh ucf video game numbers here in cincinnati mm-hmm. um but that, coral that be... was unbelievable unreal unreal Un- i mean they had 61 points in the middle of the third quarter they were th- on pace for like 90 at one th- point didn't he become the betting favorite now for high yeah or? he's the betting favorite i would that's that's my vote right now yeah i've watched I mean. them twice like the first time was just kind of like in passing yeah. I watched quite a bit of that that game Saturday. Right. Oh, goodness. That dude is true dual threat, right? Like, yeah. he was slinging dimes deep, mm-hmm. hitting guys in the bucket in stride, like 50 yards downfield, and then also making plays with his legs that you were like, it didn't feel like Tulane played that bad. But every right. mistake they made was was an Ole Miss touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was nuts, absolutely insane. It didn't, you know. It's funny because, like, you know, we we talk about the UC Indiana game. It felt like UC Indiana was like twenty one to three, and <laughs> it was seven to nothing. Right. Right. That Ole Miss. Tulane game it felt like it was fairly close like they were trading blows to an extent and all of a sudden to to, Ole Miss was up by 30 you're like what the fuck just happened (laughs) Uh, he was impressive he was impressive he's gonna need to have uh 
Johnny football type moment in, in, in one of the big games coming up. Yeah, but, well, uh, the thing with him was coming into the year, like he had had games like this last year. Right, right. But he turned it over too much. Yeah. So, it, like, he would have these crazy games, and then he would turn it over to the point that it negated the good that he did. Right. He hasn't turned it over hardly at all so far this year. That dude is fun and, like, lane, the lane train. Lane mm-hmm. runs a fun offense, man. Like, there's no question Lane runs a fun offense, and he's got the quarterback to sling it right now. Oh, he'll be in Tuscaloosa two weeks from uh, from what? The, is this that, weekend. What, yeah. what time is that game? Um, Do we know yet? Here. Well, it probably would. It probably is in the seven day window. I would they've say. they've got it at three thirty right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, two thirty, three thirty. So, damn it, <laughs> that sucks. But hey. it'll be on one of the good news is it'll be on one of the TVs. Right. At Grail. Like, it'll be on, you know, scattered throughout. The Cincinnati game will be the – Cincinnati-Notre Dame will be the main game. Yeah. But they do make sure to keep a couple of the other games on the TVs. That game will be on, so you'll at least get to keep an eye on it when you are join us for the Holy Grail BCJ Watch Party hosted by Chad Brendel and the legend Tony Pike. And you'll be able to see the yet? end. And you'll yeah, be able to see the end, though. Did I mention that yet? That we host watch parties at the Holy Grail for road I games. I think I've, I think we heard that once, maybe right. twice. Good. Just making sure. <laughs> um, kind of rounding this out though. BC Temple Temple's horrible. Yeah, uh, twenty-eight-three there. Temple um, and Navy might be as bad as UConn. There, Navy is gr- just horrendous. Yuck. Um, SMU Louisiana Tech SMU won on a hail mary pass at the end of the game. If you haven't seen that play, it was that insanity. Was, mm-hmm. That was designed. If you More watch than- it, if you watch yeah. it, they SMU says that's a play they design where they throw it up. And if you look, the guy from the left comes sprinting towards the pile and swats the ball to the guy on the right, Ro- Roberson, Ro- Robertson, who is standing there waiting for it. That was a design play. That wasn't a fluke. They practiced that. That's crazy. That's Absolutely all. crazy. That was fantastic. And Tanner Mordecai is the real deal. Like, he's – Looking like it's good. May, I, I think he might be the best quarterback that SMU's had in the last two years. I mean, not wrong. He's 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 been very very good. The defense in the American is awful, though. It's so bad. <laughs> there is that. Um, Memphis continues to to win everyone in front of them. But again, we touched on that that play that won them the game, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, still, just cannot believe that that punt return was taken back um ecu marshall ecu i mean even a, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while um ECU's not good no that's that's it uh houston grambling 45 nothing houston's very good but uh clayton tune was knocked uh, out of that houston's, game houston's good we're not calling them very good uh, i mean it was grambling so there is that but, houston's uh, good they're not very good it was largely on the arm of their backup quarterback, um, Ike Ogbagu. Ogbagu. Um, we'll give then, it to you. <laughs> and then South Florida. 30, South Florida <laughs> I'll allow 30, it. I'll allow it. <laughs> South Florida Judges, 38. Ding. <clears throat> South Florida 38 over Florida A&M, 38-17. And again, you know, that might be South Florida's lone win of the season. <laughs> Jesus. I, I agree. Let's move on to recruiting real fast. I want you guys to just 
spill spill your guts for recruiting real fast. Chad, spill your guts on basketball. Then let's wrap this sucker up. Uh, I'm I'm hearing some not so great rumblings on Skillings come out of the NC State visit. If there's an announcement that happens soon, I don't feel good. If it's delayed, I feel better. Okay. Uh, Josh Reed, tentatively this weekend, that is not like etched in stone yet, but that is tentative. Uh, Deshaun Nelson, I think Deshaun Nelson is really interesting because from my read on things like in the American, Deshaun Nelson is obvious. Right. Makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. In the Big 12, I think the formula changes a little bit. I, you know, I, I think you wonder, can you maybe find something better in the transfer market in April? So that one's going to be interesting to follow. Um, you know, I, I think they like him, obviously, clearly. I think if this is a situation where, you know, you're recruiting to the, to the American, it makes a lot of sense. Right. You're going to need guys that are ready to go day one when you go into the big 12 you're, you're not gonna be able to handle a project developing yeah mm-hmm. like not even just a pro like a project i think he's better than a project but i think there's still development like you know he was a late bloomer he's he's only played at the juco level you know is he gonna come in and and in a year be a significant contributor in the best college basketball league in America. I don't know. So we'll see on that one. I'm, I'm monitoring it. Um, I think there's just some, some intangibles there that are, that are at play. Uh, Josh Reed, I'm still working to find out a little bit more, get a little bit more details on. So uh, that's where I'm at for now on basketball recruiting. I've done as much as I can on it. There's just only so many hours in the day. Uh, football recruiting, J.Q. Hardaway continues his turnover streak as he's had a turnover in every single game thus far this season. Um, he had an interception this week, uh, three tackles. He has created a turnover in every game this season. Yeah. To say he had a turnover means, like, he fumbled. Okay, touche. Um, you're the big he, grammar guy, right? Like, you're, you're right. The guy I'm, that, you know? I'm not arguing. <laughs> uh, he also had three tackles, two assists, um, Two of those tackles were for a loss. Uh, Oliver Bridges, we traditionally hear about him on the defensive side of the ball. He had no targets on that side. On the other side of the ball, though, he did have three catches, 70 yards, and a score. Uh, CJ Doggett had a sack, five tackles, two tackles for a loss as Pickerington Central won another one there. Um, Ethan Green, uh, again, he's a guy that we see traditionally on – the offensive side of the ball, he usually has, you know, the, the stack of pancakes. Well, this week he had a his first sack of the season on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Sincere Lewis, uh, while his team did lose, he was a bright shining star on that team with one catch for 15 yards, five carries for 95 yards, two touchdowns, six tackles, three of those for a loss. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I'm Jonathan Harder, he had six pancakes in his game, uh, gave up no sacks. So the kids are doing some things. Well, and, and it looks like, the, what, the staff is out recruiting right now. I, you saw good old Tyrus Washington tweet. Appreciate you, Gina Gaduli, stopping by Lee County High to check in on me today. 
Did see that. Um, also, Caitlin, hmm. Carroll, <laughs> Caitlin Carroll's team continues to win. Uh, his team is now currently the number 10 team in the nation. So They're Kudos. loaded. They're yeah. loaded. Center Grove. Center Grove. <laughs> awesome. I'd ask if you would, you know, maybe go check out one of their games on a Friday night, but you probably have a wedding. <laughs> yeah. I, how I made it to that wedding this week is, is beyond me. And my uh, my performance was was pretty strong, I've been told. But uh, that's that's about it. <laughs> Hopefully, the weddings are done for quite a while. Chad, any final thoughts on Indiana? No, I think if you follow my Twitter feed, you you understand where I where I come from. Fair enough. I just why do you keep coming at me? Come, you're <laughs> you're 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 fighting against a professional. This is what I do, and right now. I'm just sitting in a hospital all day, every day. Like I have nothing to do. If there's not doctors, but there's not doctors in the room that I've got to talk to and like, like try to work through everything. I'm just sitting there on Twitter, like ready to fight, like bring it gloves up. Let's go. I don't think, I think that kid, that poor kid didn't know what he was getting himself into. Keeps coming back though. He's like, yeah, he kept coming back. That's why he kept getting punched in the face. I feel like his friends should call him Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. He gets I mean, down. Yeah. <laughs> he, good chin. Good chin. That kid. I hit him <laughs> with some haymakers, and he just kept coming back saying shit that was even dumber than the stuff he said when I punched him in the face the time before. Unreal. I mean, more more power to him. You know, fourteen point win on the road. <laughs> Come on, guys. Golly. <laughs> And by the way, like, by the way, it, it did seem as if my thoughts on the uh, on the whole first road game in a while, it, it turned out to be somewhat of a Yeah, everybody expected that it was yeah. going to be like the noise was going to be a factor. Like, yeah, of course. And also that little shift that their defensive line did Oof. in in that you first gotta half. Be, you got to be ready for that. Come on. I know. I know. But but that very first time, it's uh, understandable that you might be a little jittery. But yeah, after that, it was just like, all right. You're at They're seven do this times on every yeah. play. Yeah, golly. But hey, I mean, a win's a win, and they and they won by fourteen yeah. on the road. I do want to acknowledge the fact that we did not get to everything in the mailbag today, but we're already pushing two hours here. Um, it just whatever. I don't I, have any. I like we we had we had time with Brady, and we took advantage of the time with Brady, and I don't think we have any apologies I, for look, that. No, I, I we're gonna do the mailbag. Do the mailbag. You sure? You don't have to, like, I, I don't have anywhere to go. I got to get right. up in the morning. I got to take the kid to school. I got to sit in the hospital all day. You know what? Sometimes a lot of the time that I'm in the hospital, Kelly's asleep. So I'm just sitting there on my phone arguing with IU fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a nice, like it, the reclining chair that's next to her bed is fairly comfortable. Okay. I, I could take a nap. All right. Well, I'll start with this question because I, I know I changed the wording of it for Brady, but I kind of had an idea as to where he was going to go with that question anyway. But I'll ask you guys this question. On the current roster, who do you think will have the most successful NFL career? Sauce. Yeah, I'm on I'm on there with Sauce. I feel like that's probably the, the easiest answer. It's the safest answer, yeah. Yeah. Um, um I mean maybe uh I mean, the way that Darian Beavers has just been progressing and the way that he is just like a freak, 
I, I think Maje is going to be very, very good as an edge rusher in the NFL. I agree as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, obviously his, his counting stats aren't there yet this year, but he's but in I the mean, quarterback's face constantly. Yeah, exactly. There's scheming after him on every single play. It also seems like he's just getting, you know, unopportunistic, like dives at the quarterback and the quarterback makes the right move at the last second. It just seems yeah. like he's just right there, which, and then I saw a stat this just today that Notre Dame has been given up the most sacks in, in all of the power five teams, which I don't know. I'm going to throw a dark horse out there just for fun and for conversation purposes, but imagine Lawrence Metz, if he's able to like actually get it all together, he's the biggest dude that Cincinnati's thrown out there week in and week out. And if he's able to legit put it all together, you can't teach size. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that there are any six, nine guards in the NFL, but I'm not going to count them out. So uh, you I'm can't, I mean, count them out. there's plenty of people who have offensive line issues, Bengals, um, you know, so it's Chad, I'm surprised you didn't say Rob Jackson. Just, just a complete crystal ball. Look. We're not there yet. We gotta, I gotta see Rob <laughs> on the field. I gotta I see know. Rob be productive. I gotta see Rob do some things. Right, right. I know. Deshaun Pace might be entering the chat. Man, he's been impressive. It, like that hybrid linebacker spot. You know, Cook was Dude, everywhere this week as well. He was. He was. I, I it, mean, that's the thing. Like they've got a couple guys that feel like it feels like Cook Beavers and. And pace are in on every play, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do? You think that teams are scheming to stop Josh and Lenny, or do you think it's more just Des is just spreading the ball out so much and just riding a hot hand throughout the games? I think there's just so many guys open right now, right? For the most part, like yeah. who who are you really like putting all your chips down on stopping, right? And, find the open receiver. Yeah, and that's I think that's where the offense is at right now. The guy that's open is getting the ball. Love seeing Alec Pierce blow up a little bit this week. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, has there ever been talk of the BCJ getting its own tailgate spot? Would be cool to have a generalized tailgate spot for members and maybe doing a live show or something. Yes, I'm aware of Mio's, but I'm thinking a spot on the grid or something. So let me explain the difference here. For BCJ to get a spot on the grid, that would cost money for BCJ to host a tailgate and pregame show at Mio's that makes money. And this is a business. <laughs> well, I mean, coupled that with the fact that we have to be in there for kickoff. Yeah. Like because of the recruiting stuff, like, you know, when recruits are on the field, The latest we can get to the field, like, because the recruits leave 30 minutes before kickoff. So at worst, we need to be down on the field about 45 minutes before kickoff just to kind of get the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Um, So is it worth hosting a tailgate that we have to end an hour, an hour before kickoff? Yeah, probably not. Uh, Because if we really got rolling, ooh, I don't think I could work. (laughs) <laughs> if we host the BCJ tailgate. <laughs> I've talked about this plenty of times. Like I, I, I've got, I've got an on and an off switch and there's no like middle ground on that. Either it is on or it is off. Mm-hmm. And the minute that it goes to on, 
It doesn't go off until tomorrow. <laughs> right? Like, so I, I don't Feel know that. that I could, I don't know that I could work uh, if we hosted our own tailgate because I would just be inclined to, to have some beers and like, like this goes all the way back to the beginning, like with, with, with Todd and the original, like we had a partnership with the Holy Grail when they were in Clifton and we would do some pregame stuff there and, you know, everybody else would be getting loose. And I'm like, I, I can't like, if you, do you want me to work? If you don't want me to work, I'll have a beer. But if I have this beer, work is not going to happen. The, the, the switch is on. So see you know. ya. Yeah. So uh, I would, I would uh, suggest uh, coming to the, the pregame shows on for home games and Mio's or coming to the Holy Grail for the uh the road game watch parties because uh you get it's very it's very intimate like it's it's a small setting you'll get a chance to chat um you get a chance to meet you know the bcj crew tony pike like i said you had demar johnson and wes miller and and basically the entire basketball staff uh was there this week and i think they were uh they were very impressed with uh, the atmosphere and what they saw and and what kind of boost that can give in recruiting if you got a kid in town. So uh, come to those. Hosting our own. You know, we have work. To, we do have work to do. Be a tough kid. It, 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 you know, some of you are okay with like, we don't mind if you work as long as you party with us. There are others that are expecting content. And you know, not all of us can use the wedding excuse every week. So <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was setting that up, Brent. You knew I was headed there. I'm, I'm all in for it. I love all it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed that you had a wedding and you were still able to go to the game. I had to leave at the end of the third quarter, but, but I mean, I joined like what? 30,000 other IU fans that left at the end of the third quarter. So it was all good. <laughs> Got him. Uh, if you were the coach, would you tinker with the O-line during this bye week? If yes, no. how? Right now, no. I mean, I, can, I concur. Tunstall? Tunstall at left tackle looks like the move right now. And that, you know. Can we talk John about. John Williams. Did, I wasn't, wasn't going to bring that up with Brady. What the hell are you reasons. doing? What the hell are you doing? What are you, what are you one-handing it for, man? He was well. I mean, he was he was trying to switch it. Just jump on the ball, right? What are you doing? Don't you play do? hero. Just right. jump on the ball. He was ready to run for like thirty-five yards. He wasn't gonna run for thirty-five yards. He was ready. To, I didn't say he was gonna. I said he was ready to run for thirty-five <laughs> yards. I heard what you said, man. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't. For an aerospace engineer, that wasn't the smartest thing he's ever done. But no. I think right now, look, when Tunstall came in, there were no issues at left tackle the rest of that game. In all so, fairness, with him being an aerospace engineer, he did have his arms out like a fucking plane. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't drop F-bombs very often on here, but man. <laughs> like when uh. I was feeding Kelsey when she was two. <laughs> so mad all right uh do you that see was not great it's not great uh, look 
Vinny with mono, who knows, man? Who knows when Vinny's going to be back right now? So, uh, you know, don't fix it. You roll with Mets at at right guard. And for right now, I think you roll with Tunstall at at left tackle. And John Williams becomes your swing. And you go from there. Are you allowed to wear earplugs on the field? (laughs) I mean, I guess you can. But then you can't hear. I don't anything know. That... Just forgot. Like, just you got to fix the, the pre-snap penalties. Yeah. I mean, but it's the first road. Like, look, Aaron, if you didn't think there were going to be issues uh, in a sold out environment in the first road game in two years, you're a fucking many. idiot. Not that yes, many, though. that many. Man. Go back and watch Miami and Murray State. Well, I just hope we see more of the second half as opposed to the first half. I mean, I think, like, look, Luke even said it. They screwed up with the huddle. They thought that they were going to like try to get out in front of it by huddling mm. and it threw off the rhythm. And once they scrapped the huddle, then the rhythm kind of got back in, you know, in flow. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully that progresses and it won't be as much of a problem at Notre Dame. Do you see Ford continuing to get almost all the non-quarterback carries for the season during meaningful, meaningful minutes? I know he's yes. the number one and capable, but this is, is, this a matter of running the hot hand or did we overestimate the other talent we had here expected to see a little more mix in personnel through four games Ford is look I'm very high on Ethan Wright on Miles Montgomery on Ryan Montgomery like on the running back room itself but if we're being honest with ourselves Chuck Chuck has has started to get up to speed Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more than we saw like leading into the season he's getting back to what we'd expect from him but Jerome Ford is significantly more talented, significantly more effective. He's built than like any a bell of cow. the other. He's he's significantly built to handle a heavy load more than anybody else on the roster. And sometimes a coach gets put in that. It's not because the other guys aren't good. It's because the guy at the top of the food chain is that much better. He's an NFL running back. He's an NFL running back. I I think that's a thousand percent correct. That's another one that you could make an argument for might have a fairly successful career in the NFL. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's any disrespect to the other running backs on the roster. I think it's the reality that Jerome Ford's really, really good. And he's going to get the bulk of the snaps. All right. Running Dez seems to help him get in rhythm while forcing the defense to account for that threat. So should we anticipate more Dez legs in the opening frame versus Notre Dame? Maybe. Um, I, I don't, I haven't watched a ton of Notre Dame yet. I watched the Florida state game. The Toledo game was while UC was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to see a little bit this week when I got home. Uh, but ultimately, I, I I just don't know based on, like, w- what do you mean by that? Are we calling design Des runs? Are we calling RPOs? How is Freeman treating those RPOs? Right. Is he spying Des where you can give it to Ford and Ford's got, you know, numbers running up, running through the gap or running up the middle? Um, I'm not 
in a position to say one way or the other yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like this offense more when Dez is, is on the move. Um, at least some. Like, I've got no problem with Dez in the pocket because he's shown that he is very effective from the pocket. Once he settles down. But, yeah. But he also, when he starts to run, puts such a stress on the defense that guys like Tyler Scott, Michael Young, and the tight ends uh, over the middle become much more of a factor just because the defense has to account for Des running. So um, it'll be interesting. Like, I'm fascinated to see, like, how they handle that that portion because look this is this is a problem denbrock's never had before right you not only have a quarterback that can legit pretty much do everything deep intermediate short in the passing game rpo run it design runs scramble find space every skill position is where you want it to be. There's not, is there one skill position on this team that you look at and go, eh, I don't know. They're excellent at the boundary. They're excellent at the field. They're excellent in the slot. They've got great tight ends. They've got great backs. Great. Like, quarterback. Yeah. Make, and a great quarterback that can, that can utilize all of those weapons. Right. That's it's funny because that's like, isn't that almost more of a challenge than just like having Mike Warren? Yeah. Where you just like you know on like forty snaps a game, you're putting the ball in Mike's gut, right? And he's and he's gonna get it done. Yeah. Whether your offensive line is good or it stinks or whatever the case may be, Mike was gonna do what you needed Mike to do. Now you've got to use like nine weapons a game, ten lots weapons of, a game. Lots of pieces. Yeah. So lots of parts. Pieces. Eh, lots right. of parts. With the Big 12 invite and more money flowing into the athletic department, but limited space is another Nippert expansion possible in the distant future. There are plenty of other things that take priority, like indoor practice facility, locker room project, and basketball practice gyms, but just curious. And if so, would you guess before or after 2030? I, I, I don't see the need for expansion. Sports are consolidating. TV is a legitimate, like, must factor in the future of where this is all going i seven sixty seventy thousand seat stadiums are a thing of the past i think the intimate forty thousand seat experience especially for football is the pocket is the sweet spot because i think you can get 35 40 000 people there pretty much on a regular basis and the nip looks and good on tv yeah I, I maybe if you want to like find a way to redo Shank Pavilion and add, but here's the problem. Here's this isn't talked about enough, and I see it mentioned on the board at times. If you expand Shank Pavilion or you find a way to add some upper deck type seats, those are the cheap seats. Mm-hmm. You know how long it takes to get returning on, on investment on the cheap seats? It takes a long time. luxury like accommodations those are what people are wanting now 
I would be more inclined to redo Shank Pavilion with more boxes and luxury suites in that vicinity. And then, you know, maybe you're down to 30, 35. If you can justify selling them out. I mean, we, I don't know what the numbers are currently with the boxes that they have. The boxes I've been more like, they've figured out a way to get people in the seats in those boxes. I don't know how much more money they're making on them, but what I'm saying is those seats, like even at, think about it. If you're selling those seats for a hundred dollars, right. Mm-hmm. How much better is that than like there's 10 people in a seat if you're mm-hmm. selling them at 10 for the the general seating? That's yeah. 10 people for every seat. So I think I think Nippert is fine where it's at right now because I think the market is coming back to Nippert. Like, unless you're Ohio State and Alabama and 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 the big boys. Selling out a hundred thousand seats just just isn't going to be the norm going forward because it's you don't have to park a mile away. And what do we hear the complaints from IU? Yeah, the concessions, the lines, going to the bathroom. Like you know, they sold out of water in the third quarter. They were selling. They were selling twelve ounce cups of tap water for five dollars. That's gross. Right. Yeah, they sold out of Bud Light. Yeah, they get these seltzer things. So, like, how would you know? You left at the end of the third quarter. No, they literally, our last round that we bought was was tried to get Bud Lights as we walked out. I I thought I read they sold out of beer in the first quarter. Yeah, and then they had to restock. Like, somehow they, like, got some beer trucks there and restocked and sold out again in the third quarter. Bananas. Yeah. Absolutely bananas. So I think the I think the like the on-site viewing experience is coming back to Nippert. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think you have to expand. I think you hold your ground and say, look, we're exactly where we want to be. We've got amenities, we've got boxes, we've got suites. If you want to oh. add some more of that, perfect. And I know I've seen people talk about filling in the gaps that FCC left. The dumbest shit I've ever heard. I think that's a terrible idea. We've already seen people almost get injured going over those walls. Marty Gilliam. I, don't, I don't care. Like people, like people really think that costs like two, three thousand seats. Yeah, that you it's can't like justify seven it. Seven rows, like two sections. And how many of that's gonna go? How many of those seats are gonna go to students at that point in time anyway? Right. So you're even you're not even making money. It's Come just, on. It's just silly. It's just right. something that people have dug their heels in on. Like, you know, they hated FC Cincinnati, which trust me, I hated FC Cincinnati's time in Nippert as much as anybody. But the de- here's the thing that people don't understand. The deal was if FC Cincinnati broke their lease early, they would return the field to how they, they got they they got it. They fulfilled their lease. Got that beautiful. So they are turf. under no obligations to return that. To how it was when they arrived so it's not going anywhere it's up to uc to figure out how to use those in a premium capacity to get people down on the field for the field experience and then you make actually more money because like i said a hundred dollars a seat means there's 10 people in every seat as opposed to ten dollars in a seat for general seating that people want to add at the top of nippert stadium yeah i feel like you could move the rtc out of the little nook on the one side 
like further into the field and I think they got what a DJ tent in the other one. Yeah. And again, you can move that further into the field. I mean, there's places that you can go with those things. Don't tell DJ E train. He's going to be mad. You're trying to take his spot. <laughs> I mean, that's Aaron's a, boy. We had him on the, on the, on my other pod. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my, that's where my cooler to refill my water is. So that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Moving back to Ohio next week, want to point me to the best tailgate or want to be my friend? I know Chad is a big fan of the Republic of Cincinnati tailgate. Um, the Den is fantastic. The Republic Den. of Cincinnati is fantastic. Um, there's quite a few. Even like, if you just wander, I feel like plenty of places would be okay with you being like, hey, I'm new here. Just kind of, I mean, you can do plenty of people watching, making friends with just random drunk idiots. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. ROC the people that run ROC are the people that own 513 shirts. 513 shirts is a partner of Bearcat Journal. So if you're a Bearcat Journal member, that is the Bearcat Journal tailgate. Republic of Cincinnati. There we go. The grapevine. So just drop a BCJ. You got to give them your handle. and You should be good to go. Uh, the overwhelming consensus from the folks after making the trip to Bloomington is that the IU stadium experience was really poor. Where's all that big 10 money going? How did they get the same in that league and neglect facilities? Our budget is dwarfed by them yet. We are outclassing them. I know we touched on that a little bit. Any more that you want to talk about? It's a great question because IU has had a private donor fund their indoor basketball facility. IU has had a private donor fund the renovation of assembly hall and buy out Archie Miller. I was going to say, buy out Archie Miller. <laughs> what the hell are you doing at your football stadium? Are they're not? They don't look. They, they don't care. Don't they're care not a football, football. They're not a football. They don't school. care. They did renovate it though, like what, eight years ago, ten years with all, ago. With all the red and white stripes, did they anybody else lipstick on a pig? Right. Did, it, right. did anybody they else did not renovate that? Did anybody else get the feel of like a, a circus or a carousel or something of that nature with all the red and white stripes? The candy stripes thing That's is the awesome candy stripe, for basketball. Baby. It yeah. makes no sense for football. <laughs> it has no connection to IU football. It, it Brent, was, you know that. It was so hot in that Dagon Stadium, man. <laughs> I tell you what. Whew, I'm that was glad rough. You suffered. I'm glad you suffered. Well, that was like just a, a little bit. Was, I'm glad you suffered. I was getting flashbacks of that that opening game, game against yeah. Purdue. Yeah. The Purdue. It was, but that was oof. um here's the thing. The fixes for IU, from my understanding, are pretty easy. Like, why don't you have vendor carts set up? Right. Around the perimeter. Why don't you have people walking around selling beer and water? Vendors. Vendors. Like, the things that people complained about are very easily solvable. Here's the thing. You know why they're not solvable for IU? Because, because they nobody never... goes to their fucking exactly. football games. Yep. They're not accustomed to this. They don't need to solve problems that they don't have. First sellout in how many seasons? First non-Michigan. Yeah. Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State in, sellout. In 20 like, years. Yeah. 17 years or whatever it was. Crazy. <clears throat> Night, as Dave said, 1987 was their last non-conference sellout. Yeah. They don't have those problems. People at IU are like, well, we know we never experienced this. 
because nobody <laughs> goes to your fucking football games. Well, on top of that, you're actually I read somewhere that I, I do believe you're actually allowed to leave that stadium and come, and back, come back in. Yeah, you can. Which not many stadiums are you allowed to do such a thing. So in essence, if, if you run into a situation where you run out of water, you run out of beer or something like that, you can go out to your car, <laughs> get rehydrated on whatever the hell it is that you want to get rehydrated on or dehydrated, whatever the case may be, <laughs> and then come on back in because the gates are not usually free-flowing because or not any issue with the gates because they're not used to selling out games. <laughs> yeah. The problem, as we talked about last week on the podcast, is that they have had to figure out ways over the years to get people out of their, their tailgate to come into <laughs> the game. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that they figured to do that was to tell people you can come in for the game and then go back to your tailgate and come back and in. We'll let you back in. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they figured that how, out how to do that by putting a better product on the field. No, no. <laughs> they just figured, look, hands up. If you want to go back to your tailgate and then come back in the game, who are we to tell you no? <laughs> I've heard there were people that were like like leaving at halftime and selling their their tickets so that the tickets could be rescanned for people to come back into the game Doesn't that weren't in in the first half. Crazy. Like that's pretty sweet. You go watch the first half, yeah. you leave, you sell your you sell face value the ticket you bought after you watched a half. Even if you sold it for half price, who cares? Right. You got the experience. Unreal. Um, the follow-up to that is, uh, my question, everything about Bloomington sucked. Go cats. So there, there is that. I like Bloomington. I don't hate Bloomington. Bloomington's a decent town, mm-hmm. but if you only came in for the game and experienced what everybody explains that they experienced, I get that sentiment. I do. The thing about IU is that is that campus is what the size of all of like Clifton Ludlow, like it's. gigantic gigantic i couldn't imagine being a student there huge party school that's all it is yeah well (laughs) party school i don't know huge party school i've been to a few huge party schools they're not in bloomington indiana they were number one in the country when i was there i thought you're gonna say the state and i was gonna that's i mean that's probably just because you were there and you had like you had a wedding every weekend so everybody was partying yeah exactly something along those lines Uh, I know it's a team effort, but is Deshaun Pace going to be taxed as the primary defender in stopping Michael Mayer? More on that next Uh, week. (laughs) Yeah, more on that next week. I I don't know how, like, I don't know if you just assign, if you're going to assign anybody to Michael Mayer, there's only one guy on the roster that looks like Michael Mayer. Beavers? Beaver. No, Beavers. Well, in the face, Joe DeBlanco looks like him. I'm yeah, I'm talking about six five Five, two two sixty. It's beavers, yeah. Yeah. Beavers, but I don't know if you use your middle linebacker in that in that capacity, although (laughs) I thought I thought DeBlanca was the surest tackler on the team before last week. He he I thought he he missed a couple. I felt like he was a little disappointing against Indiana. Just saying. I think he probably skipped on rolling uh Bud Light boxes. There we go. <laughs> his, his wrist and hand strength was a little weak. Uh, two part question for you going back to Mike Gottfried forward. What coach would you want to have? 
would you have wanted to stick around three more years than they did? Gottfried, Brown, Murphy, D'Antonio, Kelly, Jones. Second part, which of those listed do you wish they had stayed longer than those three years? I mean, the answer is Kelly, right? Yeah, probably. D'Antonio, I mean, it would have been interesting to see if he had got to, you know, we've talked about this, like when, when D'Antonio got to UC, they were his first year, like the entire team was seniors, including Gino. So year two, they were the youngest defense in the country. Right. His second year, they were still one of the youngest defenses in the country because it was just a bunch of sophomores that had played as freshmen. So 2007 and 2008, Brian Kelly got to benefit from those, those two recruiting groups. Um, it would have been interesting to see the difference if D'Antonio would have stayed for a couple more years because it, you know, it would have been Big Ten football instead of what Brian Kelly brought, which Brian Kelly kind of changed the face of the program because it was, it was exciting right. and it wasn't you know Big Ten methodical, grind Defense, you out. Grind yeah, you out, yeah. But it would have been interesting to me, like we've seen now, Luke has done year five. He's in year five of what D'Antonio wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So it would have been really interesting to me to see, like, if D'Antonio had a couple more years. But give me a couple extra years of Brian. That probably would have been pretty damn fun. Yeah. <laughs> Offense think, uh, galore. I don't think many people would disagree with that assessment. Um, moving into the basketball mailbag, we did talk about skillings, just completed his visit to NC State without committing. We still feeling good. I mean, I think we pretty much touched on that. If we get through the next couple days without a commitment, feeling pretty good. If a commitment comes before Kelly gets home, I'm not feeling great. Which makes sense. Anything from the second weekend of recruits would love to know how Reese Mooney's visit went. What 2023 guys are they keen in on? I am in talks with some of the, uh, the recruits that have been here. Um, just be a little patient as again, these kids play very elusive and they're in school. So um, we'll see what I'm able to put together, but I am hoping to have an ICR up in the next, uh, we'll say 24 to 36. So we'll see what I'm, I'm able to put in, put together there. Um, so again, whatever happened to our updates on our signed recruits in their senior season, uh, we'll, we're working on that, man. Uh, will Sam Murray make a visit? Oh, not yet. Easy enough. Don't have an answer yet. When I have an answer, I will let you guys know. There we go. And it uh, looks like. A lot of the basketball mailbag has already been asked outside of that. And I think that wraps us up at about two and a half hours. <laughs> bada boom, bada bang. I think this, this is our longest, longest one yet. It well, was. I, I think one of the guys uh, looks like B cat for life uh, was upset about the pot. He, <laughs> I asked why people were downvoting some of the rando questions in the, in the basketball side. He said, well, probably because the podcasts are almost two hours long already. Most of us can. And then the, the text ended and that that's where. Yeah. Th- there's a glitch in the system right now. That's just eating people's uh, some, I, some people's replies. I just, uh, whoops. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to do with it. So. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. 
just took me back to a, a, a video short I saw something about being the mayor and what which apartment is. If you know, you know, but no, I don't. So. I'll, I'll tell you off here. Okay, okay, there we go. We accept it. Well, should I should I wrap it up, guys? Have we Please. done any anything crazy I, I to end nothing with? Nothing left. No. If I you made it left. this far, here's the answer to this big question. No. Okay, I agree. <laughs> well, I, well, well you, usually during these like long layoff weeks, you you get these extra long ones to kind of kind of push you through the week. So, congratulations if you made it this far. We love you guys. Just wanted to let everybody know Brent's got a friend that is getting married uh, at the peak of <laughs> Touchdown Jesus. That is next correct. Week, so he's not going to be able to. He's not going to. He's going to be at the game, but he's just not going to uh, be able to work. I won't be able to be here. You know. So here's the thing. Yeah, I do have a wedding next week. It is scheduled. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens with it. But aside from that, yet again, this was a beautiful BBP. Beautiful BBP. Thank you very much for listening up to this point. For my good friends, Aaron Smith and Chad Brundle, I am Brent Young. You all have a great, great week. See ya.